Welcome to episode 191 of the MCU Fan Show. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I will be joined by Paul Herman for our spoiler review of WandaVision episode 8, previously on. Directed by Matt Shackman, written by Laura Donnie, and WandaVision. This entire series, of course, was created for television by head writer Jack Schaefer. But first, how would you like to watch all nine episodes of WandaVision with me and several Merry Marvel fans we are having a Watch-A-Vision marathon on Saturday, March 6th at 1 p.m. Pacific time via our Patreon, where we have exclusive watch party events. So every Saturday at 4 p.m. Pacific time, we've been doing Watch-A-Vision parties for individual episodes. But next week, we're going to have all nine episodes, so we're going to watch all nine episodes. So we had to move up the start time to 1 p.m. Pacific time. It is exclusive to members of our Patreon who are in the $2 and up tiers, where they also have access to our Patreon-exclusive Discord community, where we have more community events and are just talking Marvel and WandaVision every single day. We also have exclusive podcasts that are not available anywhere else, including Patreon credit scenes, where this week, the Patreon credit scene for episode 191, I will be talking about the Loki premiere date, June 11th, as well as the title for the third Spider-Man film, Spider-Man No Way Home. And to access our community events like Watch-A-Vision and that full marathon next week, as well as those exclusive podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash Sean Gerber. That's S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R, or just hit the link in our show notes. And also make sure you're following us in all the places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you are enjoying the show on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate it if you would take the time to leave us a rating and review. So many of you have. Our Apple Podcast reviews are expanding like the hex in a very positive way. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your kind words and your feedback. We really do appreciate it. Now, with all those announcements out of the way, on with our show. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Dude. This is, this is crazy. This is straight up crazy. Like everything, I don't know which way is up or down anymore with the show. I I have no idea. Like I'm just kind of, I don't know, Sean, this is crazy. I mean, this is, you got to know which way is up. They're counting on us to sort out what's happening on this show. And I just, I am so over the moon with this entire series, but this episode in particular, the best of the bunch. And I know that just seems like the routine. It's always the best episode yet. I don't know that that's actually true. This week, it's totally true that this is the best episode yet. This is that Marvel masterpiece territory where this is about as good as the MCU gets. And that's really, really, really great and really, really special. And Mm -hmm. this series has just been phenomenal. And this latest chapter... It's actually helped out. Like, I'm glad this episode, which was written brilliantly by Laura Donnie and directed with uh, expert precision by Matt Shackman. This episode was so great that it's really helped with the week ahead for me, because Mm. normally we get that please stand by message, although we didn't this week because it's not a television show anymore. But Normally when that happens, it just sets in of like, oh, I got to wait a whole week to get to this, to get to this show. And the week goes by so slow because I'm just dying to see what's going to happen next. And of course, I'm eager to find out how it's all going to end with the finale next week. 
But this story was so good that I just want to savor it and just contemplate it for a little while that I don't feel that same sense of like, I have to see the next chapter now. Like, I'm happy to just examine this one for the next week and then be ready, of course, for the finale to see how it's all going to end. But just what an amazing episode that we got of WandaVision this week. And so as we break it all down, we will be cashing in some well-earned receipts today. We yes. it's, it's time to cash yes. in a couple, um, but we will do that as the show goes on. But let's open with the first scene uh, in WandaVision episode eight, previously on, of course, which is a perfect title for this episode because it is a, an episode based on flashbacks. And so it's not necessarily a clip show in the sitcom format. It's going back through Wanda's tragic past, her all, her history of trauma and grief and loss that we have been examining, whether it was, of course, just throughout this show, um, but certainly as we saw in the ads that were playing, uh, especially in the early episodes of WandaVision. But this one doesn't open with Wanda. Last time we saw this, it was ending with Wanda in Agatha's basement um, or the little room adjacent to the basement. Uh, that is not where we pick up immediately in this show. We actually flash all the way back to Salem, Massachusetts in the year 1693. Agatha is set to be burned at the stake by a coven of witches. She's bound to the stake by a spell. She's asked by a woman who turns out to be her mother if she is a witch. And Agatha says yes, but she is accused, Agatha is, of betraying her coven. Her mother says, you stole knowledge above your age and station. You practice the darkest of magic. Agatha initially denies this, but then she, instead of denying, switches to rationalizing it. She didn't break the rules. They simply bent to my power, she says. Uh, and she says she can't control it. And she pleads with the witches to teach her. I think this is disingenuous a little bit. Maybe not. Um, but the witches begin chanting in Latin, and Agatha's mother is the last to join. And a great moment from Catherine Hahn here as Agatha as she notes that moment, that her mother was the last one, and, and that's the moment where I think for Agatha, it's that betrayal from her mother. Not that Agatha wasn't up to no good ahead of that, sounds like she was, but it's that last act of, of what Agatha perceives as betrayal from her mother that is kind of the last straw for this coven. And they try burning her with magic, not with, uh, you know, not by like putting some hay down there and lighting it on fire. Um, but Agatha is able to absorb all of that energy, and then she ends up just sucking the life right out of these witches as we see it happening. And her mother tries, uh, you know, levitates and tries to add more power to it. Doesn't work. Agatha is able to free herself, and as she does that, she kills every single one of those witches except her mother. Um, and Agatha tries to plead with her mother one last time, please, I can be good. Mom says, no, you cannot. Mom makes one last attempt to kill Agatha, but then meets the same fate as the rest of the coven. And then Agatha goes ahead and she takes her mother's brooch, which we see her wearing in the present day in the basement. I loved this scene. I think it is a really good and very quick, efficient summary of Agatha. I don't think mm -hmm. they're giving us the impression that uh, Agatha is... Um, I don't know. I, I know you've been holding out hope that there's some inherent goodness in Agatha, I still do. And look, she does give the line where she says that she can't control it. So, mm -hmm. okay, maybe there's a little something there. Um, 
But I don't know. I, I get the sense that, especially because Agatha like was trying to deny it, and then she was, you know, being bad and stealing things, and be like, I didn't steal it. They it bent to my will, whatever. Um, I think Agatha is bad. I still, I still think it's Agatha all along, bad all along, and there's just some inherent, uh, you know, evil within her, be it her own greed, her own lust for power, or whatever it is, her sure. own lust for knowledge. Like she just wants to understand and, and know how to manipulate and use more and more magic to what end we don't really know it's it's still sort of a one-dimensional power for power's sake kind of thing uh, and this episode doesn't really give us that much more as far as motivation for Agatha and so maybe that will still be part of it we know that she really wants to learn how Wanda created the hex and how she's doing all this that's why we go on this memory trip that we're about to in the rest of this episode but to what end? You know, Agatha wants to learn how Wanda did it, probably so Agatha can have that power for herself. But why is it just power for power's sake, knowledge for the, the sake of having it? And if if that's true, and the motivation is that one dimensional, then yeah, Agatha just is bad. Uh, her own yeah. mom seems to think that she is inherently evil and it just is incapable of being good. But I guess you could say if mom doesn't make that assumption or draw that conclusion about Agatha, maybe she had a shot at being good. Maybe if her mom had not mm. lost faith in her, had maybe tried to teach her more, um, mm -hmm. but not just teach her how to create the spells and how to do the magic, but maybe teach her like how to be good, uh, teach her some ethics. I mean, Agatha does look younger here, not just because it's 1693. It almost, it does look like they did some digital de-aging of Catherine Hahn a little bit to try. I mean, I'm guessing this is trying to play Agatha at this point, not yet immortal, but maybe more, I don't know, in her 20s or something like late teens, yeah. early 20s, um, a younger Agatha and, and still probably at a point where Agatha could have been taught and maybe could have grown a little bit. But even so, like even if we say that Agatha had a chance at being good, and maybe that makes her a little sympathetic that she had a chance at being good. I think she made her turn there. Um, and what happened with her mother cemented that turn. But I I'm not holding. I know I'm sure you are, Paul, but I'm not holding out that much hope for redemption for Agatha at this point, uh, based on what we see here, even though I can I can still see where the door is slightly open. So I'm going to save a lot of my r rebuttal here for later, because I watched this episode for the first time with my wife. My wife is not, again, I always preface it that she is not a MCU fan by any means. She likes, she dislikes most of it, I would say, but she likes aspects of things here or there. And she likes WandaVision minus Darcy. And she, she said this was her favorite episode because Darcy wasn't in it. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, she had some great points about, Agatha that I'm going to give her 100% credit for because as I was watching this, Sean, I started going your way a little bit. I'm like, they really are doing this, yeah. aren't they? Because at, at the beginning, I was at first, I'm like, man, okay, I'm, I just, it didn't seem right to me, to be quite honest. I'm like, something just seems still off here. And then as the episode went on, and then as I, my wife and I talked about it, as we watched it, she brought up a couple points at the very end. I went, okay, I think I know where this is going. And I got, I was like, okay, now, and after looking back on this opening scene, I understand a little bit. I think it's very important as she takes her mother's brooch at the very end. And it's not, and again, she's like, mother, please, you know, she's pleading with her mother and she takes the brooch and, and has that. So and again, they make it a point to show that. So there's, 
there's good stuff here. I think the scene's brilliant. It's great. It's great from a just a fantasy aspect. I love this kind of stuff. Mm. I love fantasy. Just I love this stuff. And having seen Agatha Harkness as a young person in in the MCU, it's just it's just bonkers to me. I always whenever I see these you know D list characters, and I say D list because before the MCU like just come out and just like now are huge and now almost borderline household names. It's insane. So it's, it's amazing to me that Agatha Harkness is like this main central character essentially right now. It's hilarious. And so, yeah, this is great. And I want to also say that, uh, I, you know, I'm someone who loves comic books. I've read a lot of comics in my day, but I want to make sure everyone knows that I don't know everything from the comics. I got to say, uh, I was wrong. I always assumed that Agatha Harkness and Wanda, she knew Wanda before in the comic books. Well, I did when I was doing some digging today, I realized, oh, wait, she didn't know. It was after the fact. So Agatha, I was like, whoa, okay. So that that wanted that very clear. Agatha did not train or work with Wanda until later, which I was right. always under the impression that she she was before. So I yeah. thought that was I was like, oh, okay. So I'll make that very clear. People are wondering like, well, didn't I read this? And the pulse of that, like, I don't know everything. I get things mixed up all the time. Cause when I was a kid reading comics, Agatha was the nanny for Franklin and she had been that for multiple times. And I knew she, and then I did, they had referenced her working with the Scarlet Witch and I'd read things with her in Scarlet Witch later on. And I always assumed it was around that same time frame. I mean, the mentorship has been around for a long time in the comics, not yes, necessarily a pre-established relationship for as long yes. as Wanda has been around. Yes. Um, but even without the comic book basis of it, just as far as the theories that have been out there that Agatha and Wanda, maybe they made some deal that Wanda didn't remember. I mean, last week hinted at it because Agatha said to Wanda, nice to finally meet you, implying that they hadn't met before. But you could say that Agatha's just kind of taunting with that and playing it as yeah. a first meeting because mm -hmm. Wanda clearly doesn't remember. No, it's sure. not a thing that Wanda doesn't remember. It never happened. And that's, of course, totally fine. It's not really a departure from the comics. The only departure would be, um, and departures are fine, by the way. I don't use that yes. word as a criticism. If if well, Agatha acknowledging it. if Agatha is truly bad and not going to be a mentor figure for Wanda, and I just don't see where that's coming from at this point. If anything, it's the tragedy of Agatha Harkness is that you know the last shot that she might have had of of being good um, went away that moment that her mom joined in on the chanting and tried to kill her because that clearly has an effect emotionally on Agatha as Catherine Hahn plays it so perfectly that that's kind of it. That, that's the point of no return. And uh, of course, her mom felt like Agatha had crossed that point long ago. But I don't think at this point, Agatha, I mean, I obviously already wasn't leaning that way that Agatha was being yeah. controlled by anybody else. And I still don't think that's the case. I think it's Agatha all along for sure. And I really think she is the big bad of this series. And even if I step outside the story, look at all the merchandising this week. And I mean, of course, Disney merchandises everything, but it seems I, like got, they're leaning into really the popularity of Agatha. And, and I think that this is a, because they mean to put her across as the primary antagonist of this story. But as we've also seen, Loki ends Avenger. Like, I think... Agatha ends this story in antagonist territory. If there is an opportunity for Agatha to be redeemed, I don't think it can happen in one last episode with everything else that's going on. But Loki is not redeemed in the Avengers. Loki is redeemed later. 
So as long as Agatha doesn't die next week, she might. But as long as she doesn't die next week, then the path to redemption and getting to where you're looking at from more of the comics of her being a uh, her being a mentor figure for Wanda, I think that is uh, still possibly on the table, just not necessarily making that full turn in this story because redemption arcs take time. And I don't know that this series has enough time to really get there for Agatha. As far as the brooch, I don't know what that is. It doesn't seem to have any ma- magical energy emanating no, from it. it. I think it's that's, in some ways, it's kind of uh, taunting her mother to take this from her, but also it might just be Agatha's love for her mother. Um, that's exactly what it is. The reason why she wants to keep it, but she's still doing bad stuff. And even bad people can still, well, well, even bad people can still love their here's mom. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. We got the end of this. Once we get to the end of this episode, I'll go full deep in what's going on. We will. All right. Then we will save that for later. Let's go back to the basement. Agatha is having a chat with senior scratchy. Uh, She does look shocked to meet the real us. Doesn't she? I don't think this is implying that senior scratchy is like some larger entity. I just think she's having a conversation with a bunny. Um, Wanda's eyes go red, but Agatha is completely unfazed by this saying that her thoughts are not available to Wanda, and they never were, um, which Wanda is a little bit surprised by as she's starting to realize exactly who this is, um, and more importantly, who this isn't, not just any of the people who've been taken over by Wanda's energy and influence in Westview. Um, And I love Agatha's line about that, so don't go giving yourself a migraine. Uh, Wanda, of course, wants to know where her children are, and she tries to use magic against Agatha but can't, And Agatha points out that Wanda's magic is no good here. And Agatha uses a spell to bind Wanda and suspend her midair. And Agatha explains how there's a basic protection spell on each wall. They are runes, she says. In a given space, only the the witch that casts the runes can use her magic. So in this basement, in these runes right here, only Agatha is able to use her magic, not Wanda. And... This kind of reminded me of what we talked about with that Scarlet Witch miniseries last week of like the whole Nexus beings only one at a time. Although this is on a much, much smaller scale in this little tiny space. But basically it means that Wanda is powerless here as far as magic goes and is going to be along for the ride with uh, that Agatha wants to take her on. Wanda's wondering who Agatha is. And Agatha says she's been waiting patiently for Wanda to reveal her true self. And at first I thought, wait a minute, has Agatha been watching Wanda throughout like Wanda's entire journey in the MCU? But we don't really get anything else to indicate that that actually is the case, because when Agatha starts talking about it, she says she's only referring to things that have happened in this Westview sitcom time period, talking about fake Pietro or Fietro. Uh, Glad that Agatha has given us an official name for this version of Pietro. Um, Another interesting thing, though, about Pietro here, Paul, I was wondering your thoughts on this because Wanda asks, like, you know, that if Agatha was Pietro and Agatha suggests it it wasn't her, just her eyes and ears, that it was, Mm -hmm. you know, a crystalline possession. So who was slash is the rest of Pietro? So if this was Agatha possessing somebody, whom did she possess? Because this is not a dead person. She says necromancy was a non-starter. That's why she couldn't bring back the real Pietro anyway. And, and of course, Wanda, as Agatha points out, so crippled by her own self-doubt that she bought it. Although 
that's not really correct. Wanda never totally bought that Pietro was Pietro. But anyway, I wonder if we will find out because we didn't cut back to Monica or Pietro or or anybody else. This story was all about Wanda and it should have been. And I'll talk more about that as we go on. But this episode focusing on Wanda, we didn't get this update, but that still leaves that question of exactly who this is. Mm -hmm. Is this just somebody who was, uh, who just happened to be also be played by Evan Peters, who was a resident of Westview, the same as Mr. And Mrs. Hart or Herb or Jones or whoever else. Um, Or did she possess him from somewhere else? I mean, there's no indication, though, that Agatha pulled him like through the multiverse because she even talks about like Pietro, the real Pietro's body being on another continent. So if a body being on another continent is uh, is a problem, then I I think somebody being in a completely different universe, um, even though they're alive and not dead, uh, might be an issue for Agatha and her power level as well. So uh, this leaves like a little bit of an opening for Pietro to be the Fox X-Men Pietro. But I, I don't think it's that's ultimately where we're headed. But it, it does still beg the question of who slash what was this guy before yeah. Agatha took possession to just be her eyes and ears? Because she's not so, he wasn't yeah. all her. He's not like a projection that's entirely created by her. So where I'm kind of stuck with this and, and not just with this scene, but a lot of different things kind of going forward is it's knowing I, I almost hate knowing, Sean, that how this movie ties into Doctor Strange because if I didn't, if I didn't know that going into it, I wouldn't have as much. I, I would immediately go, okay, that's Agatha um, manipulated the whatever magic, and, and that's not the Evan Peters from the X Men universe, and it probably isn't. But with knowing what's going on in the future, and just with the title alone, and again, knowing what what this was being made right when the deal was right after the deal had been done or was being created in scripture writing when the deal was just wrapping up and pretty much not quite done, but almost a done deal. And you kind of go, Hmm. And for me, I, of course I want it to be, you know, X-Men Pietro. Cause I love the complicated just aspects of what that could do and what it could mean and how much fun that would be and the doors it could open. And that's kind of my theme for this whole episode, to be honest, Sean, as a as a diehard Marvel zombie of the 616 universe, is that it's almost a tease of everything I want to happen, but it probably isn't headed that way. But I don't know. It's not clear. And that's also kind of the brilliance of what they're doing with the with this the series, because the writers and the producers and, and Feige and whoever's in charge of all this knows how to tease it the right way. And, and there's bit, even more bigger teases, which we'll get to later, which I can't wait. Yeah. But with, with Pietro, it's kind of a, a microcosm of that because I want it to be that Pietro. But it probably isn't. But it's not out of the realm of possibility because they've kind of they've kind of gone crazy this series. And well, it's also I love that. So, yeah, I love it, too. It's also something, by the way not entirely dissimilar from what I talked about with Agatha, right? Like just because the redemption arc doesn't happen in this series doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And just because for Pietro, they don't have to reveal definitively one way or another exactly what he is next week. The MCU can leave threads that are just kind of dangling there that are explored later. They don't have to close the loop on every single thing in this story because the main right. story 
is about Wanda. So we have to resolve everything as it relates to Wanda. And that Pietro from the Fox X-Men universe has no actual connection to Wanda. So that's not something in the story that has to be completely and definitively resolved and explained in this series. So what could happen next week, I don't think that we are going to get as much as I can acknowledge possibilities and say certain doors are still open, that's not yeah. the same as me saying that's what I think is going to happen. I don't. I don't think, because this is the finale. This is the end of the story. I don't right. even think it really works to definitively say in this last chapter, yep. yes, in fact, Pietro is Pietro from the Fox X-Men universe. He is a mutant, and this is how we're bringing mutants into the MCU. That is a huge revelation, as it, and as exciting as that would be, the problem I would have with it, and the reason why I don't think Marvel Studios would do it, is that it completely overshadows the ending of this story. Because right. that's what everybody's going to be talking about, is rather than talking about how this story was brought to a conclusion and just how magnificent WandaVision has been, everybody's talking about mutants instead. And it's not just about trying to control the perception, but it's also just honoring the story that's being told, the story that is unfolding uh, unfolding before our very eyes, and that is the story of Wanda. I mean, there's other characters as well who are getting uh, key points in the story, and, and it's it's doing a great job, as we've noted multiple times with Monica Rambeau and other characters in this, and it's great that it's doing that, but for the conclusion, you know, obviously other characters are still going to be involved and going to play their part, but it's got to be about Wanda, and I think having a huge mutant revelation takes away from that. So, I think I, I mean, either I think either mutants just aren't going to be a part of this at all, and the only way that maybe what I could see happening is Pietro getting some sort of line. And I don't. I'm not predicting that this will happen. This is as this is as as open as I think it still is. I don't really consider the door that open for a huge definitive mutant revelation next week. What I could see happening is one more tease from Fietro about who he is, where he's from, that doesn't definitively answer it, but suggests that there's more to discover here, and perhaps we will. Um, Because I do think that, uh, as far as like, because I know some people have had the theory that it must still be Pietro from the Fox X-Men universe because he has super speed. I think with all of the magic that Agatha is capable of, she's capable of possessing whoever this is and having them move at super speed. I think she's capable of accomplishing that without uh, Pietro actually being Pietro from the Fox X-Men universe and and having super speed when he's not, uh, you know, not with Agatha. Here's here's the thing. And I've got the whole mutant thing is much later in this episode for me. So just I'm going to digress to that first. We're going to push that off to the side for a second. I will say... I, this is where I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, one way or another, I agree with you that they're not going to reveal that this is the real Pietro from that universe, regardless. I do think it's a good chance, not likely, but there's a solid good chance they could acknowledge that he is from a different universe, but it doesn't have to be from the Fox universe. As we know, there's multiverses upon multiverses of all these different universes, right? And you could, he could be from another universe, whatever. The one thing I will say is, it's interesting you mentioned that with Agatha, Agatha's powers, she why couldn't she just emulate that? You're right. But you've got to wonder, Wanda is the one kind of controlling everything, and she gave her kids 
her, you know, her and her brother's powers, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, or, you know, created them as we know and created vision. Um, and what's insane is that this, you know, Agatha doesn't know how she's doing it, how she's creating her power. Their powers are obviously different. So the fact that he has super speed is interesting still, in my opinion. I don't think it's Agatha. Agatha is controlling him. Yes, that's evident. As far as power level, I don't know. And that's where I'm like, I'm going to push back a little bit and say, that's where I'd say it's still a good chance he's from a different universe. I don't know if it's necessarily from the Fox universe. I think you could get a tease of that next week with because of the, the ending. Yeah. And also, I don't think it's a definitive either way. But it's definitely going to be teased. Mutants, we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I'm not saying definitively that Agatha is the one doing it. I just believe she's firmly capable of it. I mean, if she has possessed him then and can make him walk and talk and say the things that she wants him to say, she can also make him run fast. Uh, she turns, uh, you know, a bug into a bird, as we see. Like, she's cap- she's very powerful. She can create her own illusions. Um, and she's been at this for literally hundreds of years. So I think it's something she's capable of. But as I said, I'll, I will acknowledge there are other possibilities that are still uh, that are still open, that are still potentially part of this. So I'll be surprised. I'll be surprised if the powers came from her for him. I, but I could be wrong, but I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised by I mean, I'm not saying definitively that's what it is. I wouldn't be surprised right. by it at all because she's definitely gotcha. capable of it. Um, okay, okay. Got it. That's fair enough. Agatha does give a uh, gives us some explanation, as we expected, though. I mean, what we are getting is a lot of monologuing here by Agatha, but it's totally what we thought we were going to get because you need it at this point in the story. So how and why uh, is Agatha here? Well, she says she sensed what was going on in Westview, the afterglow of so many spells cast all at once, as Agatha says. So this is how she was drawn into this story we have her backstory she's want she wants knowledge she wants power she just wants to know all kinds of magic including dark magic for whatever reason we don't totally understand at this point other than just wanting that power just for the sake of having it but she's drawn to westview because of all of these spells and agatha gives us a rundown of these spells she uses that green cicada that we saw last week which thankfully is not tommy Um, She does, uh, she explains mind control, quick incantation on a feeble psyche. And I think the feeble psyche part of that is, you know, throwing a little bit of shade at the people of Westview um, who were just kind of there and and they were taken over by Wanda. um, And anybody else who went inside the hex was taken over by Wanda. Uh, But Agatha, of course, was not at all. Uh, She also explains transmutation. That's when she shows this. She turns the cicada into a bird. Um, years of study to achieve even the smallest convincing illusion. Well, obviously Wanda is a natural and didn't study, but that's what Wanda's been doing, right? Everything that she's turned from a present day item or person into matching the the aesthetic of whatever era the current sitcom reality was set in, uh, that is what Wanda's been up to. Um, and I love how she talks about how she phrases it too, Westview through Wanda's lens. You know, it, it treats Wanda as the director of this reality, which she has been. And then we get into Agatha really explaining the full extent of Wanda's power as it's been put on display in this show. She talks about the, you know, every detail down to the crown molding, but more importantly, the illusions that are miles away on the edge of town. And she calls it magic on autopilot, which is kind of what we talked about 
going back to the fight that Wanda and Vision had in episode five, and Wanda was making that comment of how she's not controlling every detail, like making sure people get to dentist appointments on time. No, she wasn't, but she did have things operating on autopilot so that these people were basically characters in a story who were operating based on, as Agatha phrases it, complex storylines. And this is the key piece where Wanda has been able to consciously and or subconsciously convince herself that she wasn't doing it, right? Magic on autopilot. She wasn't actively doing everything that happened in here. I mean, she was the source of it, but she can be an unwitting source of a lot of it because it is autopilot, not necessarily individual, independent choices that she's made, but things that are happening and and things that are manifesting in a certain way because of a larger choice uh, that she made or or maybe didn't make as we talk about, uh, as we get to the very end of the episode, but I'm not jumping that far ahead. Um, Yeah, what what sucks is like, I feel like as the episode goes on, the more and more like I have to say, you know, but like as far as what what's going on in the story in the episode, um, with this particular Sean, this was teasing things where I was like, oh man, I started getting like giddy because everything she was saying were things that I've been like picking up on. I mean, obviously, I'm not, I'm not the only one. No, I'm gonna pretend that obviously, but I, I was started thinking like all the things that I wanted to have happen that I wanted Agatha to talk about with Wanda and to have start kind of learning about it starts happening like right here. Like this is like the, the yeah, starting of the explanations. Yeah. And I started getting really excited. I was like, Oh, here we go. Yeah. So no, the, the extent to which the power, you know, Wanda's powers have shown up in Westview and Agatha being so impressed by that and breaking down how and why it's impressive because yes, Agatha has been around for hundreds of years. So for her to be impressed by and, and shocked by the level of power mm-hmm. that Wanda has exhibited here in Westview, that really means something. And that's where the opening kind of helps. Not that they're spelling it out yes. for you, but mm-hmm. you do see because they date it for you. Salem, Massachusetts, 1693. So Agatha has been around for centuries. And this is something that even she has never seen, um, which is, of course, going to play into the larger reveal when Agatha puts a pin on it at the end of the episode. But Anyway, uh, the bird is fed to the bunny, although thankfully it looks like it's turned back to a bug at the last second because it would be a lot more traumatic if the bunny was eating a bird. <laughs> a bird. Um, but anyway, uh, Agatha needs Wanda to tell her, tell Agatha how she did this. My question is still, but why? Like, why does Agatha want to know all of this besides having more power for the sake of having more power? It's a one-dimensional villain motive, and it's okay to, to do that because it's not like it's that... It's not that uncommon. Maybe that's the reason why, though, it should be uh, it it can draw some criticism. But um, Agatha is an interesting and entertaining enough villain that if if it's just that she wants all the knowledge and power that she can possibly have, then I'll go ahead and I'll buy that. If they add a little more dimension to that next week, I would appreciate it even more. Um, Wanda tries to say, like, she didn't do anything. She still doesn't remember how it happened. Agatha's not hearing that. And Agatha points out how she's been trying to nudge Wanda awake from this ridiculous fantasy, but you'd rather fall apart than face your truth. And Mm. Agatha mentions the endless nothingness uh, comment that Wanda had made to Fietro to kind of explain how she felt. And this really adds context to other things that we have seen Agatha do throughout this series. 
certainly one that stands out is you go back again to episode five, the death of Sparky, and I killed Sparky too. You know, we were talking about this idea that we've explored the idea of Agatha wants Wanda to bring somebody back from the dead. There's no indication that from Agatha here that she wants to bring anybody back. In all I of agree. her monologuing this week, we don't get anything that points in that direction. Doesn't mean we can't get more of that next week. But at this point, I think Agatha realizes how powerful, or by the end of this episode, she realizes how powerful Wanda is and she just wants that. But but when we add, Wait. when we look at the context though of, of what Agatha was doing in episode five, the, the death of Sparky, like in the conversation that that compelled Wanda to have, that was that's one of the nudges. That's an example of the type of nudge that Agatha was trying to push Wanda. Like if she has this conversation with her kids and she talks about grief and not running from feelings and facing the truth, this is what she if she does this, then maybe she'll be able to, you know, get to the truth and be able to help me figure out what's going on here. I don't think Agatha is doing this for Wanda's sake. When we say like, oh, is Agatha trying to heal Wanda? Sort of, you know, wants Wanda to face her truth, but it's because Agatha wants to get something from that. If Wanda snaps back to reality, then she will acknowledge what she did and be able to tell me how she did it. So it's Agatha trying to push Wanda back to reality, which is something that Wanda kind of needs, but obviously the motivations for Agatha appear to be entirely selfish. Mm. And this is where I, I'll start to kind of, I, I started kind of, at first, I, I, at this point, Sean, I was like, okay, they're totally making Agatha a bad guy. And after this, I started remembering and thinking about the comics that I've read and the importance of Wanda and her powers. And again, at this point, we don't even see, like, there's some big, obviously the ending's like huge, uh, in my opinion, as far as everything in the series and Agatha and, and Wanda. But this was the seeds I started thinking, Hmm. And my wife started making a point, uh, a point about it. Cause I said, yeah, cause I Sean, I was like, yeah, she thinks he thinks that Agatha is evil. We'll see. I'm curious what you think. Cause we watched the last episode in this one back to back. Cause she hadn't watched last week's yet. And she's like, mm, I don't think, I don't think she's, a, she's, she's a bad guy yet. And she was like, mm, maybe. And after we watched the beginning, she's like, mm, maybe we weren't, again, weren't sold on it the way it went down, but she was like, I don't know. And you know me, you know her, you know, Sean or Morgan, Sean, she's like, she'll, she'll tell me I'm wrong anytime she can, you know? And so but she was like, I'm just not, I don't know, maybe she's like, maybe, but this was the stuff that I started thinking, you know? This is what Agatha was essentially doing for Wanda in the first place, was helping her control these powers. And I think that this is the start of what we're seeing. And I'll get to more of what reason why later, because I think it's 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 really important stuff. I think it's actually powerful stuff, to be honest, from an emotional level. Um, if she was being evil, I just think there'd be a different dynamic as far as what she's trying to do. Again, there could be a reason why she wants to to use Wanda or whatever. But right here is when I started going, hmm, maybe it's, maybe it is more like the traditional Wanda or the relationship they had, because this felt more like a mentorship or she's trying to teach Wanda a lesson here. And we'll get, I'll get some more of that later. But this is where I started thinking like, maybe it's not, I don't know. I wasn't sold on it at this point, but it started that seed. My, my optimism started creeping back in at this point. I was like, wait a minute. 
This isn't, this is different. And we'll get to that later. But I, I do love that. I love I, Catherine Hahn whole series and episode has been amazing, but this stuff she really nailed um, because you, you have to really expa- explain to the audience that, Hey, like this is, you know, Juan is going, is going headed a, a bad direction, regardless of where, what her intentions are. And she's got to convey to her and the audience that like, there's, there's bad stuff going on. It's not just, you know, how do I explain this? It's just, her performance here is just perfect. I thought she delivered it so well. And I don't know. I, I really just, I, I, I gravitated more to Agatha this episode than I ever had before the whole series. And I, I liked her the whole series. But this one, I, re- I really like, in, like gum ho. I'm like all for an Agatha like miniseries of any kind now with Catherine Hahn. So this to me and stuff like this scene, I love. And it sort of make me go, yeah, more Catherine Hahn as Agnes. So right. Well, this is the first time we've gotten to know the real Agatha. I mean, I- exactly. Everything yeah. else we've had has been under the pretense of this sitcom stuff. And, and now we're seeing her as she truly is. And I think that this is kind of the. I, I know what you're detecting here in that she doesn't seem totally bad because she seems to want to connect with Wanda and help Wanda forward. But it's the reason why it's the selfish motivation. Like if Wanda didn't have power that Agatha wanted, I don't think Agatha has been walking around or flying around or whatever, being a grief counselor. Like, I don't think that's what she's been doing for the last I don't think so either. few hundred yeah. years. 100%. So I, I don't think she's, helping Wanda out of the goodness of Agatha's own heart. I think Agatha wants something about this. And if we're looking at what Agatha's trying to do to, as we move forward in the episode, Agatha casts uh, a memory spell, Repente Memoria. And it's t- she says, it's time to look at some real reruns. And Wanda doesn't want to go, but Agatha compels her to do so by reminding her of the children. And we hear Tommy and Billy calling for help. Agatha tells Wanda, after you, Superstar, and we move forward into or back into Sokovia. And this is where we are seeing the childhood home of Wanda and Pietro Maximoff right around the time that uh, Wanda and Pietro would be age 10. And we know from earlier in the series, that's the age they were when something really bad happened. And we we meet Wanda and Pietro's parents for the first time, Mama Irina and Papa Oleg. Uh, Irina played by Ilana Kohanchi and Papa Oleg played by Donnie Yar. Uh, they are not the commercial actors that we have seen in the ads. And that's totally fine. I, I know that it's a little surprising because of, well, not because the show demanded it, but because of the theory. Uh, and we've talked about it here that those were going to, those two commercial actors who showed up again and again uh, were maybe going to be Wanda's parents. I actually kind of like that they're not. I think it ultimately works better because this moment and the this collection of moments that we're going to go through here, it's all about the raw emotion of these scenes. That's what it's about. And so I, I think that if you just give these little ahas and these little Easter egg payoffs, it distracts from the emotion that we really need to be focusing on in these scenes and they can always do a reveal next week to show that the commercial actors were like anybody else in Westview, uh, Herb, the Hearts, whoever else, uh, that they were just residents of Westview uh, who got caught up in it just the same as everybody else. So that part works for me. Um, as Oleg comes home, he opens up a case and he's got DVDs of old sitcoms, which he sells. But before he sells them, 
they watch them at home. But the sitcoms that we see are sitcoms we have witnessed play out in this uh, in this series. Bewitched, Malcolm in the Middle, I Love Lucy, The Addams Family, Who's the Boss, I Dream of Jeannie. Pietro comes in, young Pietro, played by uh, Gabriel Gurevich. He's very loud, as Agatha observes, and he's telling Dad that uh, the Maximoffs, they practice English on TV night. So this is a tradition. This is, I don't know if it's nightly or weekly because it's TV night. Uh, this is a little ritual that they have that they sit down together and they watch these TV shows. Pietro yells for Wanda. Love Agatha's line. I mean, we're right here. Still bothered by how loud Pietro is. And then grown-up Wanda, as Agatha notes, that's your cue. She enters into her own memory, and she's 10 now. Uh, played wonderfully by Michaela Russell, who did such a great job as young Wanda in this scene. Um, Wanda gets to pick what they're going to watch. Her favorite is not in the suitcase. It's in a special place, a hole in the wall. Uh, it's the Dick Van Dyke show. They have the entire series. And as that selection is being made, Irina looks out the window and we see and hear machine gun fire. There's cars turned over. There's just fires on those cars. There's cars on fire. There's other fires in the streets. It's violent and unsafe right outside that window where the Maximoffs enjoy their TV night. And Wanda selects uh, season two, episode 21, uh, the walnut episode, it may look like a walnut, of the Dick Van Dyke Show. Pietro is not excited about seeing the Dick Van Dyke Show again, and he says, always sitcom, sitcom, sitcom. And they talk about shenanigans, and Pietro doesn't know what it is, and Wanda says it's a problem that's more silly than scary, but can sometimes be a little scary. And mom and dad expand on that, a silly mischief that always becomes fine. This is such a key point, it goes back to episode one. Wanda could have just snapped her fingers and thrown dinner together for the hearts, the dinner party, right? Why was she fumbling around in the kitchen if she could snap her fingers and change from her evening gown to just a regular dress? Then obviously she was capable of making a meal the whole time, but we knew that she didn't do that and we suspected that it was for a reason, that she chose not to do it because sitcom shenanigans and challenges are fine. The things that always work out okay and are not really that scary of a problem to begin with, that's allowed to happen in Westview. Wanda allow has been allowing that to happen in Westview. She only uses magic to block out or solve real scary problems, not shenanigans. And as the show plays, we see that Wanda is just in love with this show. She's completely enamored with it. She's uh, she's watching the show. She's smiling. She's laughing just completely and utterly charmed by the Dick Van Dyke show. And this feeling of safety, comfort, and home, it is just brutally interrupted as the first Stark missile hits. Uh, her parents are gone immediately. We never see them again. Another missile lands. We get the flashing red light and the beeping, like the Toastmate 2000 ad back in episode one. We never heard about a red light or beeping when they talked about the missile in Age of Ultron, but we see it here. And as the missile is is beeping, the TV is still on. And at the end of and Wanda is saying at the end of the episode, you realize it was all a bad dream. None of it was real. This is how young Wanda, right here, age 10, is trying to cope with what has just happened and how she's trying to contextualize what has just happened. She's trying to deny the severity of it. She's trying to hold on to this idea that it's all a bad dream, none of it is real, as if reality is something that you get to choose. 
So this scene is where I will cash in a receipt. Yes, I called it. Uh, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it on in a Patreon podcast or Office Hour session first, but my formal receipt for MCU Fan Show back when it was called Marvel Studios News, episode 152 at the one hour, nine minute and 28 second mark. Uh, this was done a little over a year ago, right after we saw the Super Bowl spot for WandaVision. Uh, I talked about how the reason I thought why sitcoms, the answer to that question was going to be because this is what Wanda used to watch. This was what was safe and comfortable because outside Sokovia was a very unsafe place because Zemo shed light on that for us in Captain America Civil War. And they take time to show us that with Irina looking out the window and seeing what she sees that, yes, sitcoms were the escape for Wanda. They always were from the time she was uh, from the time she was a child and they still are now with what we're seeing in Westview. And so I've mentioned it a few times uh, since then, of course, when we did our Expanding the Universe WandaVision episode, um, our first episode spoiler review, and then I even added in the Stark Missile component that they would be watching when the Stark Missile hit. Uh, That was back in episode 187, our episode four spoiler review at one hour, 22 minutes, and 36 seconds. You don't have to go back and listen, just know that it's there. Um, But this is what it had to be. Um, and, And I think that why I love this so much Um, Why I felt that this was going to be the case and why I I love that it ultimately is, is because it makes the sitcoms more than a gimmick. It grounds them in a true emotional reality. It it allows it to resonate because it's escapism then and now. And it's an unhealthy relationship with escapism that's being explored here that Wanda isn't choosing sitcoms just because well, isn't that fun for the show? Isn't it a, a crazy cool concept for Marvel to make a show that is half sitcom, half MCU epic? Yeah, it sounds like a cool idea, but if it's not grounded in anything emotionally in an authentic way, then it's ultimately just superficial. It's hollow. It, it's not going to be a very powerful story, but this is because we do have a very real emotional reason that I think is very relatable I think it's all it's a timeless sort of thing that's relatable, but also, as we've talked about on the show, very relatable right now with so many things that are going on that people feel the need to escape. And it's okay to do that. We escape every week for a little while to watch the latest uh, the latest episode of WandaVision. It's okay to do that as long as you find your way back um, and you don't just use it as a way of not addressing your problems. And that's where Wanda's relationship with the escapism is unhealthy as she is using it to suppress and cover up her trauma. And it's just, it's beautifully done the way that they reveal all of this information in such a short amount of time. It says so much about Wanda and her history in this flashback, but that's not all that's revealed because as we have suspected, Paul, as many people have suspected, like this one's not a receipt just for us. Um, as they're yeah. looking at the, at the as they're looking at the missile, Wanda reaches her hand out to do something to stop it, and <gasps> Pietro says in Sokovian. But if you have the subtitles on, they translate it, or I think they do even without the, yeah, the subtitles. But do. Wanda don't. She was going to use magic, and she did, and she already had her power. She already even had them. It seems before this moment because Pietro is saying Wanda don't. Uh, meaning she's done something before and he's seen it. Um, and maybe he's worried that if she doesn't do, but maybe it points to Pietro knowing that Wanda has difficulty controlling her powers because we've already seen incidents where that didn't totally work out. So maybe he's worried that if she uses her powers and she makes a miscalculation, 
that the missile is going to go off. But Agatha offers her assessment, and she's right. Uh, Agatha says Wanda used a probability hex. Wanda thinks the, the missile just never went off. But Agatha plays it out here like, well, how long were you trapped? Two days. Okay, got it. Wanda stopped the missile from exploding. Old school squeals there, folks. <laughs> Old school squeals. And like like you said, the actress playing little Wanda was, she nailed it, man. I mean, it wasn't overacting. It was, it was you know, I just love the reactions. It, it was great. This scene is just amazing. And then you know what's happening. I'm like, it's going to happen. And then it happens. You're like, ugh, you know. But then when Pietro says, Wanda, don't, I'm like, what? What's, what's happening? And I went, oh, no way. And then Agatha starts talking about, what did you do? You did a probability hex. I went, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. They're doing it. They're doing it. Yep. And and I immediately was like, okay, this is it. Like, they're introducing mutants. Again, not necessarily, but we'll all get into that later. But very much so the fact that Pietro says this, and I'm like, okay, that's crazy. So there's a lot here that like to unpack. And I, I thought it was awesome. The fact that this happened. And also it gave me validity regardless of what they're saying with the scene, Sean, that I've been saying since the beginning. Cause I'm, I was saying, yeah, like they're emphasizing her powers come from the infinity stone. Like it's obvious they're setting something up. Like right. it's obvious. Like I didn't think of people were taking that seriously enough. I'm like, uh, duh. Like they're, they're saying all these things to set up that right. the fact that these powers came before. Well, like there had yeah, and there there always had to be a reason that Wanda and Pietro didn't die, because exactly everybody else died. There had to be something that set them apart. We don't really get any indication that um, you know Pietro has anything right now. Um, we don't see that, but it's possible that Wanda, you know, was able to access her powers earlier than Pietro or whatever it is. I mean, Wanda in general is more powerful than Pietro anyway. Yeah. So, um, but what's not totally clear. I mean, I I do wonder if when Pietro saying Wanda don't, I talked about how that could mean that maybe Pietro knew that she was going to try and use some magic, but maybe he thought she was just reaching out to like touch it and didn't know that she was going to do something else. That's totally possible. As far as the mutant thing, we will address this more later, but just specifically as it relates to this scene, it's a little earlier than mutant power if we're saying that this is a fairly recent thing for wanda whether the powers are emerging right now for the very first time or they've only been around you know not that long before this it's still a little early for mutant powers to manifest as they define in the comic it's more adolescence puberty like 12 13 14 uh is when kids start having their mutant powers kind of manifest 10 years old, a little young for that, but come on. If that's the MCU change, is that like when you hit double digits? It is, though, same age as Tommy and Billy, age 10, when their powers Mm -hmm. show up for the first time. So uh, as I said, there's more things to draw upon with mutants and stuff like that uh, as we go on. But And we do need, and we are going to go on because uh, Agatha opens, it points to the next door, which of course has a Hydra logo on it. Wanda doesn't want to go. Agatha points out the only way forward is back. And I love that line because it's so true for Wanda. That's this whole episode um, Mm -hmm. is that for Wanda to really be able to move forward, hopefully in a healthy way for her and for everyone else, she needs to go back and explore 
the full extent of the feelings and the experiences that she has had, um, everything that she has suppressed, denied, and covered up. Uh, she has to go through and, and acknowledge those experiences and find the way to move forward. So as we arrive at this Hydra base, uh, I love Agatha's characterization of it, the rebellious years. Uh, you know, yeah. Agatha calls out Wanda for joining uh, an anti-freedom terrorist organization. Um, Wanda says, you know, she and Pietro, they wanted to change the world. And look, from their perspective, mm-hmm. that was fair. Yeah, It reminds me of Steve Rogers uh, when he explains it to Maria Hill when she says, like, oh, we're not at war, Captain. And he says they are. You know, Steve kind of sympathized with that from the jump, and he understood that perspective. Because, look, how are the Avengers or anybody else any different from Hydra when it's literally a Stark missile that killed your parents and almost killed you? Um, you know, for at, at that point, under the circumstances and experiences that Wanda and Pietro had endured, yeah, Agatha could go ahead and characterize that as, you know, joining the terrorist organization and take a shot. But I, I think we also understand where uh, we can certainly understand where Wanda and Pietro were coming from and what their line of thinking was. And obviously, when they found out what Ultron's real plan was, they turned on him immediately. So we can still see where Wanda and Pietro fell morally and ethically. Um, and it wasn't from their perspective, the most immoral or unethical thing to do to try and join Hydra. They were doing it with the best of intentions. And then of course things just didn't totally work out or maybe they did in some ways, but we then cut to the Mindstone experiment. Wanda Maximoff, she is a volunteer. I don't know about that. Although she did join Hydra. So maybe she did volunteer for the experiments. Um, but we see a couple of Hydra scientists. Neither one of them is Baron Von Strucker, but I think that's okay. Bummer. But I go back. It's a similar thing to me as the parents not being the ones from the commercials. If we see Thomas Kretschmann as Strucker, then our focus is on, hey, I know that guy from that other Marvel movie. We really need to hone in on Wanda's experience and not distract, not take anything away from that. And so I think it's... I. And I don't know that it was a thing where like they made that call because they just that was absolutely what they wanted to do. Or maybe they did initially have Strucker in the scene and wrote him out because of an availability issue or whatever it is. Whatever the reason why it ended up this way, I think it it ended up in the way that it, I feel it needed to that best serves this moment and who it's about. So Wanda is locked in a room with the scepter. She's told to touch it, but as she even just barely approaches the scepter, the jewel comes out of the scepter and it moves toward Wanda. As she reaches out to touch that blue jewel, it comes apart, revealing the Mind Stone within, and then a surge of energy, almost an explosion, although it doesn't like blow everything up, and blows Wanda back a little bit, um, bathes her in this yellow light, and she sees a silhouette, and it is a silhouette that has to be her fully formed Scarlet Witch costume. You know, it's Wanda seeing her destiny. And it's interesting to think about this because when she wore the Halloween costume, she said it's a Sokovian fortune teller. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's because that's how Sokovian fortune tellers dress. I think that's because Wanda was told her fortune in this moment, and this was her fortune. It was her. She was being shown her eventual self, her true power as a Scarlet Witch. Like it's It's like the Mind Stone, which is kind of intuitive, right? The Mind Stone knew her better than she did, at least in that one respect. The Mind Stone kind of, because the Mind Stone is probably detecting the power that's already within her, you know, the Mind Stone is kind of revealing her future or her fortune to her in a way. 
Um, and I love the shot where, we, I mean, we see the silhouette, which looked great, but I love the reflection of the silhouette in Wanda's eyes. Looked awesome. And then uh, that light goes away. Wanda passes out on the floor. And then she's moved to isolation where she watches the Brady Bunch. Uh, Cindy and Bobby are having an argument about Cindy's baby doll because like, she wants Bobby to be quiet and not wake the baby. Bobby has the discussion about uh, his points are that the baby isn't real. Uh, we've certainly had a lot of those types of conversations with Wanda in this reality. Plays very well into that. The scientists reveal the camera footage, but it cuts from Wanda walking in to just her being passed out. But we did see earlier in the scene, they saw that energy surge. Like they were covered in that same light, um, but it must have happened faster, I'm sure, in real time than what we saw Wanda experiencing it in slow motion. Um, and they're just left wondering what happened. So Hydra had no way to go back and see what exactly happened because of whatever happened, you know, it didn't show up on the security footage because of crazy magic powers and infinity stones and all that good stuff. But this scene I, I thought was just terrific. And I, I love that this silhouette is going to be like, this has to be the the costume that, that is going to be revealed next week. It, it just has to be. What else, what else would it be? I mean, if it looks anything close to a, like a more like, like it would say, uh, and it the, includes the headdress. Another keynote. The costume looks so good. It's the Halloween costume. Like it's super simple and like silly, but it looks the headpiece looks perfect. It's perfect. Um, yeah, this scene was great. Again, emphasizing the fact that these powers came before the Mind Stone, and what that means, we don't know. And again, I love. I love that callback. And again, I was just thinking like, what does this mean? Because it could mean a lot of different things. Like I go back to the mutant thing, which we'll, we'll, we'll kind of keep with it. Um, I think that it was just, again, I, I just, it's more validity to what I've been saying for a long time. I'm like, there's no way the power just came from the mind stone. I've been saying it forever. We've been saying it forever. We've been saying it forever, whatever. And it was great. And it was cool to see the Hydra stuff. Again, Elizabeth Olsen just kills it here. And seeing that side of her, again, like where she said that we wanted to change the world. Like Again, Hydra looks like anything that's opposite of the Avengers and Tony Stark seems like heroes at that point. I mean, it only makes sense. And she already knows she has powers. Well, what if she doesn't, she doesn't know and going and volunteering for this, she'll get to know her powers more. Cause I think again, not having a mentor in her life would then she just is misguided or not misguided, but her, um, her ignorance of what she has, she doesn't know what to do. And she probably is looking for guidance somewhere. And she goes to here cause she, she thinks maybe I'll become more, of what I am and I, or whatever, if I do this and it's evident that happens because she all of a sudden can like lift things or power level is a little bit different. It's not exactly what we see now. So it's really interesting. Um, I, I do like, I love this scene and what it means and everything. So, and actually it's funny, Sean, I didn't see the silhouette. So in fact, I, I totally missed that. So Maybe I was looking down, yelling at my dog when it happened. She was really annoying me that time. Um, You're going to have to go back and watch it because I think you'll be pleased that the, I mean, it's just a silhouette. We don't totally see the, obviously we don't see the full details of it, but the shape of it looks like a proper Scarlet Witch costume for sure. Um, And no, I think there's a lot of interesting things going on in this scene. And I don't think when Wanda joined Hydra, like I don't think she was conscious of her having powers. Like I think that's why- Well, yeah, I think that's why she didn't remember what happened in that moment. As, as soon as it happened, she suppressed it. You know, like as soon as it was over, she suppressed it because, and I think that, and I don't know the emotional reason for it because they don't get into it here, but I wonder if the reason why Wanda 
might have suppressed this whole idea of her having powers is because she couldn't use them to save her parents. Hmm. That maybe she would have felt like it was her fault if she was able to save herself using powers and save Pietro, but not her parents. Obviously, she was blindsided by the bombing, so there was no way she could have done it. But it might have been the way of her, might have been part of the way of her coping with it. But I think her powers kind of came and went based on need, based on that situation. And, And it's not even clear that she's the one like moving the jewel out of the scepter. It's almost like the Mind Stone was drawn to her. Maybe yeah, because I, of the powers that, that yeah. she had uh, within. But Agatha's assessment of this is really, really interesting. When she says she doesn't characterize it as the Mind Stone unlocked something because the powers were already there. She says the Mind Stone amplified what otherwise would have died on the vine. Now, we don't know that Agatha's assessment is correct, but she's looking at this as Wanda had powers beforehand, the Mind Stone gave him a boost. But what if Wanda had never come near the Mind Stone? Based on Agatha's assessment, it suggests that Wanda would have lost her powers. You know, she says they would have died on the vine, that those powers would have faded and because they weren't permanent. They were subject to fading since Wanda probably wasn't using them, certainly wasn't using them on a regular basis. This is a conclusion that Agatha has drawn for herself based on limited information, so it can't be trusted 100%. But if Agatha is right, then that is an indication, to me anyway, that Wanda is not, in fact, a mutant, because mutant powers don't fade just because you don't use them. They're still around, whether you want them to be or not. It's something that a lot of mutants deal with in the comic books is they don't want to be mutants, but like they can't not be a mutant. They can't not have their abilities. So I think that if Agatha is correct, you know, this is an indication that Wanda is a Scarlet Witch, but not necessarily a mutant. And and how do those powers translate? Like mutants, you are born that way. You're born with the mutant gene. And then at a certain age, you get your powers and it it might also alter the way that you look. Some mutants do, some mutants don't. But It's a little bit, you know, the Marvel science is different uh, because we're just talking purely magic here if we're not factoring in uh, the mutant component. But I have something for that, too. But all of that is based on. Yeah. And I would love to hear your take on it, because all of what all of this is predicated on the on the point of Agatha being right. But just because she's drawn a conclusion doesn't mean she is correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I think that that's save it for the end, because the ends where the, the real meat of this is. And but I will say there are reasons. And I do like the fact that she's saying that because it's hard for me because this show's already complicated enough. It does make me think they're opening the door for more complicated ideas of what Wanda could be. Now they could streamline it or they could use this as a bridge of opening a door and it could be both. I don't know. And because Wanda in the comic books is straight up just it's con- it's whole situation is complicated. I mean, her, her father has been Magneto to the foster father was Magneto to, Oh, he was actually the father to not really to now it's high evolutionary and it's, it's all over the place and her powers and things like that. Or what are all that? Are they mutants? Are they not mutants? And so there are a lot of different ways you could take this. And you could, if you go the straight ahead, like mainstream, like let's keep it as simple as possible. It looking like there's not, that's not the case. And I will say it bums me out if that's the way they're going to go. 
But, which we'll get to the end, there are reasons that I think for Agatha, for Wanda, that I've got, I think that they're still, I don't think they're going to be full-on reveals. There are going to be teases here. Yeah. And I'll get to those at the end. But at least with this, I think you're you're on the money. Just because she says that doesn't mean it's verbatim like, right. oh, yeah, that's what's what she's saying. So I, I agree 100 percent to that statement. Yeah. So this is where I'm just acknowledging that certain doors are open. But as I said before, like just when I acknowledge because I acknowledge that doesn't mean that's what I think is going to happen. I don't really think we are headed toward Wanda being a mutant, but there's still, you know, sliver of a chance. So uh, Agatha concludes this flashback by saying she I have a theory, but I need more. Isn't that all of us, really? I mean, this is exactly what we're doing over and over again, week to week on this show, and I'm sure all of you listening as well, and the conversations you have about WandaVision. Yeah, we get theories, but as always, we need more information. And Agatha gets more via another flashback, our next stop on this trauma tour for Wanda Maximoff. It is at Avengers Compound, and it is a scene that we've never watched before. It's set between Avengers Age of Ultron in Captain America Civil War, because remember, at the end of Avengers Age of Ultron, they move into the new Avengers compound. Wanda is there, and so is Vision. And as Wanda points out, it was the first home Vision and I ever shared. Cue the Darcy awe watching WandaVision, but in a like a sadder tone, obviously, for the scene. Um, and as Wanda points out, Pietro was dead, and I was in a new country. I was all alone. Wanda is watching Malcolm in the middle. She calls Vision in and Vision comes in without the door like Civil War, but he was invited in this time. Um, he doesn't mean to intrude. So and he just says whatever is Wanda's pre uh, preference, whether she wants him there or not. And I love that this is still early Vision because remember, he was born in Avengers Age of Ultron. So he still hasn't mastered all the intricacies of social interaction. Um, he's not totally uh, familiar with all of those norms. He did not intrude. Wanda called for him, but he's still like worried about being polite. Um, we see that Hal is, or they're watching the show. Hal is building a pergola that collapses on him and Vision tries to understand the humor. Is it funny because of the grievous in injury the man just suffered? But Wanda points out that Hal is not really injured because, quote, it's not that kind of show, end quote. And this is another reference to those shenanigans that uh, Wanda explained in uh, in Sokovia in the previous flashback, that this is the safety of sitcoms and the comfort is that um, you know, this is what this is where you escape to where the danger isn't real. Even the stuff that looks dangerous and absolutely would be uh, seriously dangerous if it were happening in real life, sit, it existing in a sitcom is what makes it OK but what's really interesting here, though, is that the escapism isn't really working for Wanda here. She doesn't laugh yet. I mean, she will laugh later in the scene. So she's trying she's retreating into this sitcom that she loves to try and find some comfort in it. But it's not really working for her, um, which is probably why maybe she reached out to Vision. But what follows is just an unbelievable, beautiful conversation about grief between Wanda and Vision uh, that just encapsulates so much about this show and, and thematically what it's been going for. Vision quite wisely doesn't presume to know what Wanda is feeling, but he says he would like to know if she wishes to tell him if that would be of some comfort to Wanda. And Wanda wants to know why Vision thinks talking about it would bring her comfort. And she says the only thing that would bring me comfort is seeing him, meaning Pietro, again, 
And this is Wanda showing how she doesn't see anything but more pain if she acknowledges and speaks to what she's feeling. This is part of why she escapes and why she has escaped into Westview, even if a lot of it was subconscious. This is the whole part of it is like she doesn't see even in this moment, we see that she doesn't see the value in it because if I talk about my pain, all it does is it makes that pain worse. And Wanda apologizes because not because, you know, what she said was emotionally invalid, but, you know, she feels like she was a little short with vision there. And she says it's just and she describes her feelings of grief. It's just like this wave washing over me again and again. It knocks me down. And when I try to stand up, it just comes for me again. It's just going to drown me. Vision says it won't. And he's when she's wondering why he thinks that, he says, because it can't all be sorrow, can it? And Vision notes that he has not experienced loss because he's never had a loved one to lose. Remember, he this is like within a year of when Vision was first born in Avengers Age of Ultron. And then we get the line of the week from Vision. But what is grief, if not love, persevering? Mm. Beautiful, beautiful sentiment from Vision. And Wanda really considers that point. And then we get a break in the tension as Vision laughs at the show. And then Wanda laughs with him. Uh, you know, Vision noting that it was funny. And then she says, yes, it was very funny, wasn't it? And Wanda has now created a new sitcom fan with Vision. And that's it. It's not all sorrow. They can laugh again. And this scene, I mean, of course, it's bringing tears to the eyes of the viewer. But when I say the viewer, not just the audience watching at home, but Agatha is actually moved by this moment between Wanda and Vision, uh, which points to, you know, Agatha has a soul. She has a heart somewhere in there. Maybe not, maybe bad, but maybe not all bad. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I, I love this moment. This was such an extraordinary, beautiful scene between these two characters. And I just can't say enough about it. And I, and I think it's hitting on points that have been referenced in the show, but at the same time, you know, really kind of drilling down on, on a way that just adds even more clarity to it. it it's similar to, you know, when when Wanda is talking about how she's feeling, I mean, we've heard her describing her feelings of grief before. We've heard other characters describing it. Um, but, you know, when Vision says that line, but what is grief if not love persevering? It reminds me of Monica's line last week when she's saying, you know, talking about her pain. That pain is her truth. And there's so much about this that that really resonates. Uh, I know it does for me, and I'm sure it does for many of you listening. And I know it does for you as well, Paul. I mean, many of us have lost people. Um, within the last year, a tragic amount of people have lost uh, loved ones. Um, I mean, it's always tragic regardless of the number, but uh, there has been so much loss, so much grief uh, over the, the past year plus right now. And and even if it's not within the past year, most of us, if not all of us, have lost people we were close to at some point within our lives. And I, I think we can relate to that feeling of grief that it just it just keeps coming back. Like, and, and it never really fully goes away. When you lose somebody that you're really close to, it, it's not, it, it is this thing that's just, that grief is something that is always there. And it's not always at the forefront of your mind. That's why I think the wave description that Wanda has for it is right on point. Not that this is the first uh, time that grief has ever been described that way, but, you know, as you feel like you're you're getting back to what you might perceive as your normal self, you know, a wave comes over you and might knock you back down. And the way that Vision contextualizes that grief, though, is just so wonderful because it's that idea that 
the grief means that yes, the grief might be might have been brought about by their absence, but what it ultimately means is that they were there in the first place, that you loved them and you still love them. It doesn't mean that grief stops hurting, but it can be put into context so you can absorb and you can feel the sorrow of missing that person and and just knowing that they're gone. But at the same time, you can embrace, absorb, and feel the love and the happiness that this departed person brought to you and still brings to you via the memories that you have of them. You're always going to miss them, but also you can always enjoy the time and the memories that you had with them. And it's a beautifully written scene by Laura Donnie, expertly performed by Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen. And, and Paul Bettany, he's been in such a different space in this show. And I also love the way that just his overall demeanor in this scene, whether it's the the heavier conversation about grief or the lighter stuff of him not understanding the social norms or kind of, you know, leaning into and enjoy learning how to enjoy the sitcom it's very much that space that Vision was in in Age of Ultron and Civil War. And that's a space that Vision hasn't been in for a while. And Paul Bettany hasn't had to play Vision like that for years. But he went from the way that he's been playing Vision as the character has kind of grown and evolved in the MCU. He was able to go right back to the headspace that Vision was in uh, during what we know and understand of the character at that point in the timeline. But just an amazing scene and an all-timer that I, I think will just not only stand out for the series, it's, it stands out across the entire MCU for me. Yeah, this was a really powerful scene. And I, I think that goes, we always forget is that Vision's an android. And I, I think it's always been, it's always a weird thing for uh, a lot of people f- before the MCU that Scarlet Witch and Vision and, and that whole thing. And that was always kind of like a, just kind of a people always kind of not laugh at it, but it was, it was accepted and people liked it, but it was just always kind of those weird things, right? It's like, yeah, it's just kind of whatever. And we forget about is a fact that just the love that she had for vision was real. And just the fact that you see that right there and you just see why she falls in love with vision. It's not, it's not just a fabricated, we got to put these people in the comics, Mm -hmm. you know, because of reasons there's legitimate reasons for that. And I think that there's so much emotional depth, why she would fall in love with vision and you get to see it right there. Yeah. Um, in the chemistry between the two, uh, the actors and, and everything. And it, it's just, it's really impressive of writing and, and acting. It's again, it's, it's really great to see it unfold. And in the comic books, you get to see it, you know, over years and years and years and, and you, everything. And you get to see them why and, and whatever, and and again, it's not written as as well because it came out like sixty years ago. But regardless, at the time, it, it meant something. And I think when you look at this here, it's a great example, and you get to see it's not just because it happened in the comics, but because why she would fall in love with Vision, and and you see that moment, and and it's important to have those things. I don't, we see them a little bit in in the movies, but not enough. And I think it's great to get a flashback of why they are they fall in love. You accept it now because. We've gotten from Civil War. There's that great moment, probably my favorite moment in Age of Ultron is when he's saving Wanda. It's literally my, my favorite moment in the movie. Uh, I love that part. And then you have the fact that Civil War happens. You, you, they slowly establish their in a relationship, but it's just never it's never fleshed out as much as you want them to have it. But you you always accepted it because it happened in the comics. 
you get to see it here and you just get to see why she's in love and why it works. And in that scene in infinity war, which is, you know, they are laughing as I think it works because it works, it works. And mm-hmm. I love that. And I get, you get to see why it works. And I think that's so important because we don't see it enough and it's not, it's not the MCU's fault. It's just kind of, you know, just time restraints. Right. And I love the fact that these Disney, Disney plus series can give us these moments. And I want more of this stuff. The more I love action. Everyone knows I love action. And one of the things about this series going into it, I was nervous about was how are they going to balance the emotional aspects to a mainstream audience and everything. And, and for me too, like I, I love action just as much as anybody else does, if not more, but I also love these, these emotional moments, maybe more than more, most mainstream people. I'm kind of extreme on both sides. Yeah. Um, but this scene in particular gives us everything I want from more these, these Disney plus series. And I, I love it. So it was a phenomenal, phenomenal scene. Yeah. I mean, I'm of the mind that it's the emotion and the emotional scenes of the MCU that have actually gotten more people hooked than the action ever has. And I think that, but specifically with Wanda and Vision, though, I mean, it's two of the beautiful and iconic moments of Avengers Infinity War, which are referenced later, so I can go ahead and save it for that. But like Infinity War did a lot in with limited time, for sure, in selling yeah. just how powerful the love was between Wanda and Vision, which was one of the the many unbelievable and just great accomplishments of Avengers Infinity War. But to have this scene where we're not just selling it with a couple of really great scenes, we're going into a fundamental conversation, an intimate conversation between these two characters where a very powerful bond is formed. And Vision, I mean, his entire approach to the conversation for all that he may not understand about walking through walls instead of doors and all this other stuff, emotionally, he is so intuitive. And I love the way that he just calls it out that he can't possibly understand how Wanda is feeling. And he doesn't try to say that. I understand how you're feeling or anything. No, because he doesn't. He admits that, but then he's also able, because he doesn't understand exactly how she's thinking and how she's feeling, he's able to offer like an outside perspective and some insight that ultimately is helpful to Wanda. And he's not necessarily saying, this is my advice and you need to take it. He's just offering his honest assessment of what grief is mm-hmm. from a more analytical synthesoid perspective, but yet still informed by him being emotionally intuitive. And Wanda accepts it, not because she had to, not because it was advice she had to take, but he just puts it out there with his insight and she sees truth in it. And I just, it's such a wonderful scene that uh, as I said, Agatha was very moved Um, But not that moved because then she just wants to hit Wanda with the blunt truth. Parents dead, brother dead, vision dead. And Elizabeth Olsen, what else is new, plays this moment perfectly as well. Each loss that Agatha lists hits her. And then you see like the sum total of it hitting her all at once. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's it's brutal, but this is what Agatha is trying to do because Agatha wants Wanda to let all this be out on the table, acknowledge all of it and try and move forward. So Wanda will give Agatha the information that Agatha wants. And Agatha wants to know what happened when Vision wasn't there to pull Wanda back from the darkness. And this is Agatha making an assumption, uh, making an assumption that a lot of us have been making that like the way for Wanda to get over this was to bring Vision back. This is the assumption that Agatha's making because she says 
that uh, Wanda wants to stop, but Agatha says they're on the precipice, and she still wants to know how Wanda did it, created the hex. And Agatha says, Vision was gone, but you wanted him back. And Wanda says, I wanted him back. And so it points to a scene where we th- where we've made a lot of assumptions about what this would be, and Agatha's making a similar one, but it's not going to play out in quite the way that we thought. So our next flashback is much more recent. We see how all of this started. Wanda is at S.W.O.R.D. headquarters. She wants to get Vision's body back from S.W.O.R.D. She knows they have it, um, and she just wants to bury him. She says he deserves a funeral at least, and she also says, I deserve it. So Vision deserves to be honored, to be memorialized with a funeral. And yes, Wanda, as the love of Vision's life and him being the love of hers, she deserves a proper chance to say goodbye. And it's actually really interesting, though, because it points to Wanda. She did initially want to go about this in like the healthy way, to go through the funeral and say goodbye to Vision. And there were just obstacles in the way of that that were not her fault. Um, and so this, she's right. And this isn't Wanda wanting to bring Vision back to life. She's just wanting to say a proper goodbye. Sword is denying her that. Um, we are not told exactly how Wanda knows that Vision is there. I don't know that we're going to get that additional detail. There were the, the question we were pondering last week was, did Sword leak the information to her or did Agatha do it? No indication that Agatha did it whatsoever. She wasn't drawn to this situation until all of the, all of the spells were cast simultaneously in Westview. So Sword, Hayward, must have leaked it so that Wanda would come over and so to basically help bring Vision back to life is what they really wanted. Um, and I'll, we'll talk about uh, more of that as we go along. But uh, security is not going to allow Wanda in until they are told to, most likely by Hayward. Wanda looks right into the security camera, so making eye contact with Hayward, presumably, who's probably watching on the camera. Wanda says she doesn't need to be buzzed in. She uses her powers to open up the doors. And then we get this conversation between Wanda and Hayward. And he says it's an honor to meet her truly. Whatever, dude. Uh, Very disingenuous is Tyler Hayward, who refers to himself as Director Tyler Hayward, which you could just dismiss and say, well, that's his title, except it's not. His title is acting director, Tyler Hayward. Dropping acting from the title is his way of kind of inflating his own importance in front of uh, in front of Wanda, uh, which is a pretty weak move on his part. Not that she knows what his official title is, um, but he has to compensate for something because he's dealing with a very, very powerful individual. And really, in comparison, he is not. Uh, Hayward knows that Wanda wants to recover the Vision's body and the use of the article because um, Wanda does not refer to Vision as the Vision, but Hayward always refers to him as the Vision. And that's Hayward treating and thinking of Vision as an object. He is not a person as he is to Wanda and all of us. He's just an object, a weapon in the eyes of acting director Tyler Hayward. Uh, Wanda points out that she is Vision's next of kin, and Hayward shows Wanda what they're doing. And Wanda, at first, doesn't realize what she's looking at, uh, but then she realizes she's seeing Vision being pulled apart And uh, as one of the scientists moves over, we see Vision's head and just this incredible, horrifying uh, and just deeply upsetting shot. Uh, Wanda is uh, telling them to stop and Hayward lies about what they're doing. We're dismantling the most sophisticated sentient weapon ever made. We know that's not true. They've been pulling him apart, putting him back together in hopes of bringing him back online. Hayward says it's their legal and ethical obligation, whatever. 
Uh, maybe there's a piece in the Sokovia Accords that uh, says that's what they need to do. But Hayward's got his own agenda, clearly. Uh, Wanda makes the point that Vision isn't a weapon, um, but he is because that's what Hayward is turning him into. Uh, that's not what Wanda says, but obviously that's what we know is happening because we know they're not really dismantling Vision. Uh, Wanda says, I just want to bury him. That's all I want. So here it is, summing it up again. She did not go to S.W.O.R.D. with the intention of taking Vision's body so that she could bring him back to life. That was never the plan. And Hayward says, are you sure? And she rightfully says, excuse me. Uh, Hayward says, not everyone has the kind of power that could bring their soulmate back online. Forgive me, back to life. That was not a Freudian slip. That was not an accident from Hayward. It wasn't poor phrasing. It was entirely intentional. He is needling Wanda here. He is trying to provoke Wanda, trying to get a reaction that we see a little bit of, although he doesn't get everything he wants uh, out of Wanda here. But he is totally trying to provoke Wanda by continuing to refer to Vision as an object. Um, and Hayward, Hayward has also revealed why he wants Wanda here, I think. It's to do what he can't. That's why if there's any slip mm -hmm. there, it's saying bring him back online because that's what Hayward wants. Bring Vision back online. Uh, Wanda says she can't bring Vision back to life and that's not why she's here, which is absolutely the truth. And Hayward then says that he won't allow her to take $3 billion worth of vibranium and just put it in the, put it in the ground. So the best he can do is let Wanda say goodbye to Vision here. Wanda says, he's all I have. And Hayward, he's been pushing her the whole time, and this is the last big shove. Well, that's just it, Wanda. He isn't yours. And his tone is more than, I think, slightly antagonistic. Wanda can't see his face, but there's almost a little bit of a smirk that's uh, starting to emerge there as he makes that point. Um, he is intentionally provoking Wanda because he needs her to bring Vision back to life. He is just being downright dastardly here. Hayward sucks. Hayward does suck. Um, yeah, and, and this is something that I kind of called out to last couple of weeks or whatever that I, I thought was going to happen. I didn't think that Wanda was going to come in guns a-blazing and just destroy things. Um, I figured there would have been a conversation, and I figured that he wanted her there because yeah. he needed her. And I, I kind of got that impression because... There's, and again, it kind of calls to what I'm going to talk about at the end of this episode a little bit, because Wanda, what she's doing is, is, is a reaction to her, her hurt, her trauma, it, again, trauma, or just the fact that she's, she's extremely depressed. And again, the symbolism there is what we're seeing here with Wanda coming into this and what she does with, you know, this whole, you know, heck she creates of, of alternate reality um, you know, it's, it's, you know, obviously a, a metaphor for her trying to, you know, cover up her, her depression. And here you get to see, I love that we get to see the real Wanda kind of like trying to move on the, the right way. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you have someone then resisting that and pushing them to the edge. And I think that that's obviously something we can all relate to in our life, that this is something that happens. We try to do the right thing. You know what? Yeah, it sucks, but I'm going to do this. But then when someone is there to kind of like basically whatever, someone you know, love, work with, doesn't matter. Anyone can relate to the fact that this someone can just totally upend you and it causes you to react in ways you don't want to. And it's relatable. We've all done that. And seeing that here with Wanda and then again, I love how Hayward, he, Hayward, it's Hayward, right? I always forget yep. these people's names. Um, Hayward tries to twist that 
and says, oh, Wanda came in and, and tried to hurt us, you mm-hmm. know, and, which I kind of knew that like, that's why I thought there was like, mm, I bet he, she, they actually sat down and there was a reason why that she reacted this way. And so it was cool to kind of see that. I was like, okay, I figured that much. And because I, I also figured that they were doing something to vision and seeing them dismantle vision was just really disheartening and really like way more traumatic than I was anticipating, to be honest. Yeah, that uh, shot of his severed head was, as I said, unsettling. Well, it's it severed head, but like seeing all the parts oh, of yeah. the body all, all separated, like together it was, or all. Yeah, apart. I mean, there's the shot with like where you see like literally being like pulled apart. And that was that was yeah. it was harsh, man. Like that was it was nuts. And again, great visual storytelling. I love that. And yeah. I think that there was. I love that. Again, you, I don't agree with Hayward by any means, but you understand a little bit to where it's like, he's full of vibranium. Like if he can't, we can't put him online then, or revive him, then we got to use that to our advantage. I mean, this, from that point, I, I understand that. So it's just, it's again, this weird, I I'm with Wanda, but you understand where they're coming from. And it's just weird. It's again, it's just that, that really weird, thing that kind of be in like who's right who's wrong and um i like that i like the fact that there's reasons why and you can kind of go well i, I guess yeah i guess I, you know i think it's clear it. who's right and who's wrong i, I think well, that i mean i understand yes. hayward's point for sure but he's clearly i mean well, he is yeah. he is intentionally antagonizing a right. grief-stricken woman who has lost the love of her life and he objectifies vision, like even put even the three billion dollars worth of vibranium. You can say, okay, well, that's a fair point. It's also putting a price tag on a person, and vision was a person. And was, so I, I think that the way Hayward is going about this, like he's not being straightforward. Nothing about what he's doing, of course, is no, honest. I'm, I'm so, so while yeah. he might have honest in, well, you could say, well, okay, I get it. Earth was, as everyone everywhere else in the universe, was ravaged by Thanos. And while people who were vanished got to come back, not everything went back to normal. Certain things, the permanent scars are left behind. And we have to have sentient weapons to deal with this. I mean, hey, look, Hayward's not the first person who wants that. Tony Stark wanted that. So that, exactly. that yeah. is understandable. But... The way the way you go about it is what separates it. Absolutely. And and he is being deceptive and he lies like he only shows like the the security camera footage that we later see. It is edited to characterize it in a way that absolutely did not happen to frame Wanda as doing something that she didn't Uh, even straight up lying that Wanda took Vision's body because we see here she did not. She left sword without Vision's body. Yeah. So the antagonistic nature with which uh, Hayward approaches Wanda, as well as how deceitful he's been, even to his own organization, outside of his own little inner circle within S.W.O.R.D., points to the idea that, yeah, this guy is unethical, even if right. he, even if there are valid reasons to want to have a sentient weapon and not just right. allow Vision to be out there where somebody could um, recover his remains and, and try exactly. and do something that S.W.O.R.D. is trying to do. And, and, that, and that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I understand. So I- Again, not all that stuff, but just strictly as the vibranium and like all that, I get what they're saying. Okay, that make that makes sense. You can't just leave it there. Or it's too valuable to use to get protect the ear, whatever. That's what I understand, and that's what I'm trying to say. But when he's reacting that way and pushes her, it's obvious that he's got alternative motives. He not only wants right. to frame her, 
but I think he's he also wants to see like can he can she revive him? Mm-hmm. And again, we, we we get later, but it's interesting. So I, I loved all of that together. One thing that my wife said, this is where I, again I, I love her insight. She brought up a great point. Maybe this is too obvious for a Dumbo like me, but or for not obvious, I should say, for a Dumbo like me. But she had said that Agatha is doing to Wanda what they're doing to Vision. They're dismantling basically the the essence of the of the character. Like they're doing it physically and she's doing it mentally to put her back, put him back together and to put her back together. And that was very, very perceptive. Because that's what she's doing. Whether or not it's for selfish reasons like Hayward remains to be seen. We don't know. But that's what she's doing. She's dismantling her to bring her, put her back together. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're doing to Vision. I love the idea that this they're doing it physically and then she's doing it mentally to these, this couple. It's, I thought that was a great, great point. Um, and kind of like a good, a, a cool, just thematical theme the earth theme but a theme that we get in the series so i thought it was really perceptive and interesting so yeah i i love the scene obviously and i i called it i figured that was going to happen that there was going to be it wasn't just going to be one to come in and be like you know yeah i figured there was going to be a sit down they're going to sit down and there's going to be something and there's going to be something that was going to set her off to go crazy and i figured hey we're going to do something dickish and he did so yeah, I mean, I definitely knew that. I mean, as soon as we saw the security footage in the whole thing Hayward was showing in episode four, it was like, yeah, you were up to something. I didn't buy the nine days story or any of that stuff. Yeah, I spent nine days editing, although it doesn't take that long to edit that footage. No. Um, but yeah, Hayward's been lying and covering things up the entire time, meaning that he was doing something he shouldn't have been doing. Um, and Wanda caught him. And I think that if we're looking at, even if we're trying to I don't know why you would, but if you're trying to play devil's advocate for the sake of acting director Tyler Hayward and say, well, yeah, you don't want Vision out there to ultimately become a weapon for somebody else, then that points to, okay, Wanda, I can't give you Vision's body to just bury anywhere you want. We need to find a secure way of doing that that nobody can get to. Um, And maybe that means we're going to have to create a storage facility that is ultimately uh, Vision's burial ground or, or whatever. And I think Wanda would have understood that um but he's not he's not approaching that in a way where he's trying to relate to wanda in any sort of way he's trying to minimize her he's trying to objectify vision uh and really trying to provoke the reaction that he gets uh, which is wanda breaking into the lab and but this is exactly what hayward wants when the guards draw their guns on her not that it would have made any difference but hayward is the one who tells them to fall back let her see for herself because this is hayward This is playing out exactly the way he envisioned it. Um, And he's hoping that Wanda will do what she just said she couldn't or wouldn't, which is bring Vision back to life or back online as Hayward sees it. Wanda approaches Vision's head and she uses her powers to try and feel him, which we saw back in Avengers Infinity War. Except this time, Wanda is saying, I can't feel you. She repeats that phrase and it is a beautifully tragic reference to Avengers Infinity War in Scotland when Vision thought that the Mind Stone was speaking to him and Wanda used her powers to kind of tap into the Mind Stone in his forehead, uh, Vision said, tell me what you feel. And Wanda said, I just feel you. And then later on in Avengers Infinity War in Wakanda, when Thanos had arrived, um, and Vision is telling her that they're out of time, she has to destroy the Mind Stone in order to stop Thanos from killing half the universe. Vision says, it's not fair. It shouldn't be you, but it is. It's all right. You could never hurt me. I just feel you. Not his last words to her. Those were, I love you. 
but just wow. I mean, that scene and that callback to those moments in Avengers Infinity War, as I said uh, a little bit ago in the podcast, like those moments in Avengers Infinity War were so huge in selling the love between these characters with a very limited amount of time. And I love that this moment with the, I just feel you or I now, now Wanda saying I can't feel you um, is just, and it's the saddest thing ever for Wanda is like, it's yeah. this last moment to try and see if there's anything left. Um, and she can't, but she doesn't try to bring him back. She accepts that she can't, uh, in that moment, she accepts that she can't feel him. She doesn't try to bring him back to life or online. She leaves without his body, gets back in her car, and we see an open envelope in the passenger seat, and then Wanda drives off to Westview, New Jersey, which I will talk about in just a moment. But just to you know, finish up on this sequence, this was the surprising part to me. Never thought for a second that, uh, you know, or have thought since, especially since we saw episode four, yes, Hayward was up to something. Sword was trying to turn Vision into a sentient weapon. It's in the name, sentient weapon observation uh, response division. Of course, that was going to be what it was. But where we've where we've built upon that is we, we've drawn the conclusion that in order to stop Sword from doing what they were doing, Wanda took Vision's body even though she had a reason to, and it wasn't just out of grief, it was to protect Vision, even that didn't happen. She didn't take Vision's body at all, left completely without it, which sets up a reveal that we'll get later on as we go to Westview. And we see Westview for the very first time as it really was. John Collins, or Herb, is crossing the street. Harold Proctor, or Phil Jones, is posting a sign for piano lessons. We see Sharon Davis, or Mrs. Hart, uh, enjoying some coffee or tea, like outside a cafe. Uh, mailman Dennis is doing food delivery. And then Wanda pulls into a driveway. Um, interesting, like just looking at Westview here, it looks like it's been, I mean, it's a small town to begin with, so you wouldn't really expect it to be very lively. But people look pretty down in Westview. And remember, this is very, very soon after the blip uh, or people coming back. And it looks like Westview, like I'm sure, many if not all cities on in on earth and elsewhere um hit really hard by the blip and certainly hasn't made a comeback in like the last few weeks since people uh since the vanished returned um but wanda pulls into a driveway and it's a mostly empty lot we just see the foundation there um and this is where and what we're seeing here is the site of their sitcom home in westview wanda unfolds the piece of paper she's uh, gets out of the car She's standing at what would be the front door of this house that we've only seen the foundation of. Wanda unfolds a piece of paper um, and that was in the envelope, and it is a property deed to 2800 Sherwood Drive, Westview, New Jersey, 08801. And there is a heart drawn on it, kind of like the calendar that we saw back in episode one. Uh, also saw a heart on a calendar in the opening theme of WandaVision last week. Um, and in that heart is a note written from V or Vision, and it, the note is to grow, uh, to grow old in. And it's owned by Wanda Maximoff and The Vision, so he bought them the a vision. home. I love it. This is The Vision. Yeah, which is which is interesting though. I'm like, it should just say Vision, not The Vision, because I know Hayward uh, is you know The Vision is like the objectification version of it. So I wish it would have just said Vision. Anyway, um, Vision. But the key point is here. Here is that Vision bought them a home. This is why westview like is this is why it was already the place this is why it's westview like why did wanda choose west, westview as the site of the hex why was she ever there in the first place 
this is it. And shout out to John from our uh, Patreon and Discord community uh, who called us a while ago that it was going to be because of an emotional attachment that they already had. This was where they were supposed to build a home. This was where they were supposed to build a life. And that's what Wanda did, just not in the way that she envisioned, of course, would have intended. Wanda clutches the deed. She cries as she walks to the center of the lot. She kneels down. She sobs in all of that emotion, all of that grief, that pain. It all just comes pouring out of her, creating the hex. And we see the sitcom reality completely take over um, as we, we basically see Westview traveling back in time and then just turning from color to black and white. And then inside their sitcom home, because now there's a house around it that's been built, uh, we see this version of Vision, and we have to specify that it's a different version of Vision because she didn't take the one that Sword had, which was the original one. Uh, This Vision that we're seeing, um, he's wholly created by Wanda. And that's why he has no memories before Westview. It's not just that he, it's memories that he can't access, uh, you know, as a computer or a synthesoid before he died. This isn't that Vision at least not fully. Um, It's Vision as Wanda knows him, so she was able to kind of capture and recreate Vision's soul, but not all of his experiences, not all of his memories. Um, And also, this version of Vision must be made of vibranium because we already know that Hayward was tracking Vision, this version of Vision, inside the one that was inside of Westview all along, and he was tracking him via a vibranium decay signature. So that means Wanda has not only created Vision as like a life form, Wanda is capable of creating vibra- uh, vibranium, one of the strongest substances in the entire universe. And Wanda takes a step toward Vision. And as the camera cuts, we see that she switches from her the clothes she was wearing at the time that all of this happened when she created the Hex to her 1950s sitcom dress, She switches from, initially, Vision is immediately in black and white and starts that way. Wanda is still in color, but as she makes that transition, even she switches to black and white. She smiles. Vision welcomes her home. Uh, They decide to stay in, have a little smooch on the couch. And as they separate, we see present-day Wanda watching herself and Vision on that couch and seeing how it all started. But then she sees the artifice of it. like She sees the, the facade pulls away. It's not black and white. Now she's on a set, and that set is in color. There are seats for the studio audience that watches the show. There are the stage lights that she sees. And so all of this is being revealed to her, how fake all of this is, what she was creating, which to me is not necessarily suggesting that Wanda was creating a television set. This is just the revelation of the whole thing, because she's still in Agatha's house, and she runs out of Agatha's house here in a moment. So all of this is not Actually, Wanda is not necessarily in a physical space here. She's just living out this memory um, and seeing what the truth of it really is, which is that it's it's fake. It's a it's a facade, just like television is. It's not real life. And Agatha, seated in the stands, gives her a slow clap and she snaps and disappears. Um, and then we hear the kids screaming. But that'll take me to the final scene uh, before the mid credit scene. I don't want to go there just yet. So, Paul, this sequence here, seeing how the hex started, seeing Wanda like literally create vision, not from a body, but from nothing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, was just, uh, I mean, this was incredible and, and not really not the way that I think most people had called it. Most people thought that she took vision's body and made him from that. No, she made him from nothing. 
Yeah, that was well, uh, maybe not from nothing, from her love and pain and grief and loss and all that. No, right, right. No, it was it was really a powerful. This whole thing was powerful, and it was really well done. And and seeing her create vision, I mean, if she can create living beings like her kids, yeah, then they then she can create vision. And right. it also sets up a lot, like the fact that she, to be honest, and why vision, you know, can't leave the hex. It sets up a reason of. And also some real big moments here. Yeah. Um, that I mean, we're going to get to. And he is the I hex. Think, He's part of the hex. Exactly. So I'm, I'm just gonna, I just got, I got to get to the end because this is where it's all no, going to come. The mid credit scene is where we, we, that's where we can definitely examine questions of, uh, of the nature of this vision versus the other vision well, and well, what's ultimately going to happen. Yeah. With I'm talking about with Wanda in general though, with her creating vision and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm ready to go. This is it. Like, this is the, the Puba. Yeah. So, uh, Wanda after Agnes kind of snaps and just, you know, poofs away from, you know, the seated in the stands, Wanda hears the kids screaming. She runs out of a soundstage, which ultimately we see is the front door of Agatha's house and Agatha in full, witch form that we only saw just a tiny bit of when she was arriving in her Agatha all along theme song last week, we see her in her full witch garb and she has Tommy and Billy by the neck, you know, tying them up with basically magic, some sort of spell, uh, which mm-hmm. again points to Agatha being pretty bad, uh, you know, holding mm, on to no. kids by holding on to kids by the neck. Not not the best move for good people. Uh, we'll, Wanda, we'll get to that in a second. And, yeah. and Wanda is trying to use her magic to help and, and comfort her kids. It's OK, baby. And then Agatha gives the speech. I know what you are. You have no idea how dangerous you are. You're supposed to be a myth, mm-hmm. a being capable of spontaneous creation. Mm-hmm. And here you are using it to make breakfast for dinner. Episode one. Um, Wanda says, let go of my children. Agatha, Agatha says, oh, yes, your children and vision and this whole little life you've made. This mm-hmm. is chaos magic, Wanda. And that makes you a Scarlet Witch. The subtitles say the Scarlet Witch. I what Catherine Hunt delivers, it sounds like a uh, Scarlet Witch to me. I, I agree. I, I was trying to, I was trying to figure out if she said uh or the. It so sounds like, like uh to me. The subtitle says the, and then we roll credits. It's not please stand by because this is not a television show anymore, right. uh, or pretending to be a television show anymore. Uh, it's just we go right to directed by Matt Shackman and so on. And there's a mid credit scene that we'll talk about it. But for this final scene before the credits, yes, here's the name. And uh, shout out to Jim from our group who uh, called that Agatha would be the first person to say the name uh, Scarlet Witch. And, and here it is. This is what we have been promised. Kevin Feige has said we were going to hear they've you know, acknowledged they never used the name. We were going to hear it in this series. Elizabeth Olsen way back at uh, Comic-Con 2019 when they officially officially announced WandaVision for the first time. saying we were going to understand what makes her the Scarlet Witch. Um, and that includes the name. And, and here it is. And so. And even using things like, I mean, these are the comic book, this is the comic book terminology, not just Scarlet Witch. Probability Hex, Chaos Magic. Chaos magic. Oh, this is man. all stuff that's been part of Wanda's backstory and abilities and everything in the comic mm-hmm. books. And it, mm-hmm. it just hasn't really been touched on in the MCU. It's just all been, hey, she's got weird powers from the Mind Stone. But now we're putting names to things and it's just, it's so much fun. And, and also yes. it's like, explaining it and spontaneous creation because we see it here vision is in the exact same camp like we thought so much of this was like oh vision was a body that was revived no vision was created from nothing in the same way that the kids were essentially created from nothing and it calls into question i think what 
Agatha wants, really. But before we get to that, Paul, just your reaction to Chaos Magic and, and Scarlet Witch, because I, I know that's a highlight for you. Woo! Oh, man. Um, this was awesome for a number of different reasons. One, the Chaos Magic line. Well, the hexes, when she said probability hex earlier, I was like, whoa, boy. Okay, we're mm-hmm. getting into... They, they mentioned the hex. They said the hex. You know, they kind of... Yeah, but that was a Darcy nickname. That wasn't exactly. That wasn't uh, official classification of, you know, witch powers by a witch who can who knows right. which terminology. Exactly. So when she said hex in the, in the show, I went, oh, boy. They just went there. And that is full-on Scarlet Witch from the, from the comic books. Mm-hmm. Hex powers. That's... That's what her mutant, now emphasis, I said mutant, mutant ability was her hex powers. And that was always established throughout the whole, whether she was a mutant or then they retconned it or whatever. She was always had the hex abilities and which is awesome. And what's really cool about what, where they're going with this and what, what they are obviously going with it. Cause the whole WandaVision is a base upon this is her power level. And then also you brought the comic series last week, which I was unaware of this whole nexus idea, which they, they're, they're kind of borrowing literally from mm-hmm. everything. Like the great MCU stories have, have done. They borrow from everything and, and make it a nice tidy, you know, thing essentially for the most part. And so seeing when you see Agatha have the kids, and it, my first reaction was like, okay, they're emphasizing that she's a bad guy, but I never, but again, when I'm watching it and what she's saying, I went, okay, okay. And then my wife even, and then it's when Morgan, my wife even said, she's like, yeah, I don't think she's done anything outwardly evil. And I'm like, yeah. And the reason why I say that is because Sparky, the kids and Sparky, the dog was all, they're all created by Wanda. And I think that. Right now, Agatha, like, I'm not saying she's like this fully like innocent like person, but I think she's scared of the power that Wanda has. I think she's trying to train and help and mentor Wanda because Wanda right now, because you're going to say, well, she's treating these kids, you know, whatever. And that's bad. Well, what is Wanda doing right now? She's controlling a whole city. Like there's a whole point where visions. Oh, I'm not saying that Wanda is, is totally fine and not culpable here. Right. But But, but my point is this though. My point is that people can do things that aren't right and still be like, it's still be not even redeemed, but like they still can move on and, and, and still be good people and do things the wrong way or whatever. We, we all agree with that. And I think that that's, this is where we're headed with Agatha. I think Agatha also has been treating these kids this way or not even treating that bad. She's, she has them by the neck. More around, I think around that, the head. That, that qualifies as bad. But I think holding people against their will and make it and having them like be not themselves is pretty bad too. Um, but uh, Wanda, so is, Wanda doing things that are unethical doesn't mean that Agatha is also good. And doesn't mean doesn't yeah doesn't mean she's not bad. She's bad either. So that's what my point. So you could go either way. My point is here is that these kids aren't real, and I think she's trying to explain to her, and she's like, yeah, she's being brutal about it, and she's not always a nice person, evidently. But she's not, she isn't inherently like this evil person either. They were attacking her in the very beginning. And she even said to her mother, mom, please. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it felt like defensive to me. And again, what has she done that's been outwardly evil? There's been nothing that she's done that's been super, like, I think that you could say that she's a bad guy. Like this is makes her the, she's an antagonist in a sense to where it's the foil for Wanda because she, they're up against each other. But she's not a true antagonist, and I don't think that that's 
in a sense of like she will be the enemy like uh, you you know she'll be she'll perish at the end and that'll be the it i don't think this is the end of her i think she and wanda are going to learn together based upon this because i think she knows you are powerful you are out of control i think she's trying to help wanda like you cannot control all this you created these kids and now like everything is starting to go undone and just this this episode i watched before seeing her interact with the kids it just doesn't, you know, she said, I like it here. And she's like, really? And she, you could see like, she's, there's no evil intent there. I think she's literally trying to tell and save Wanda at this point. Cause she knows where she's headed is the wrong way, which happens in the comic books. Again, I think they're doing it in a more dramatized way. And she's not the same Agatha character, but they're giving her the idea that, or giving us the idea that Agatha is this mentor character. Now, I also want to say that, chaos magic and i'm going back to the mutant thing is really really interesting because if you read avengers disassembled and i don't want to spoil it because i love that story but when it's referenced and dr strange gets involved which is very interesting as well one of the things he brings up in that series is that wanda what makes different wand different difference between wanda and all the other magical magic users and even agatha brings it up in this episode is that the Scarlet Witch, or Wanda, did not earn her powers. They came naturally because she was a mutant. Now, that's Doctor Strange from the comic books, not, not in the show. But I also thought it was very interesting that Agatha even made that point. Like, oh, you can just do it. Like, it take me thousands of years to figure something out. And you just, like that. And that's the thing that Doctor Strange even says in the comic books. He says to Wanda, you know, she's un she's, she can't control these, these, these powers. Because she didn't earn them and she's going like crazy. Like she just can't control everything. And then that to me is where we're going to get, I think, Agatha's mentorship. And that's where I think we're going to probably see Dr. Strange next week and leading the multiverse of madness. All of that's going to be compelled to where Dr. Strange and Agatha will probably, maybe even Dr. Strange will fight Agatha. But I think there's going to be somewhere where Agatha will have a reason and it may be a sympathetic reason and will show that she's not like the nicest person in the world. Yes. But in the end, she will definitely be a mentor to me. I, I totally see it. And I think that there's still, there's still a decent hope. I think for her to be a mutant, because again, she didn't earn those powers. And I mm -hmm. think that there's, a, I think that adds even more credibility to the fact that she can't control them. I'm not really leaning in the mutant direction. I, I think it's, the the doors open as i've said i don't really see it being walked through in this one i think maybe they keep that thread out there to maybe tug on it later but that's about as much as i see it uh, as much as i see them going forward with it because wanda while she does have natural magic abilities it's also shown or at least in assessed by agatha and i don't think she's totally off there that the mindstone did amplify it and so maybe that might be the reason why wanda didn't have to do all the work that others have done is because, yeah, she just got a sudden boost to her powers and, and her abilities. Otherwise, maybe Wanda would have had to spend a lot more time learning how to do these other things. So the Mind Stone is still playing a part in her powers being the way that they are and, and Wanda being as powerful as she is. But also the Mind Stone was recognizing something in her because it seemed like the Mind Stone kind of chose to go to her. Uh, visually is kind of what it looks like. But as for Agatha... Redemption can come later. Even Loki, we were told that you know he killed eighty people in two days, and and by the end we're we we still like him. 
So, uh, and Ag- I mean, Catherine Hahn is so charismatic and so amazing as this character that, yes, should she survive this, I could see uh, a path to redemption for her. I just don't think that's what this story is. Again, stories for another day, always possible. But for right now, in this story, I can explain things I've done th- that she's done that I think are bad. Wanda has done bad stuff too. I'm not, there's no disputing that. But one of the differences, the key difference, and I talked about this last week between Agatha and Wanda, is Agatha is fully aware of everything she's doing as she's doing it. Wanda is not totally aware of what she's doing as she's doing it. So mm, Agatha, that's debatable. It, I think uh, I don't de- know. De- then debate it. Like what? What's the what's Ag- what is Agatha doing that she's not choosing to do? No, no, I'm talking about Wanda. Wanda is she's she's subconsciously doing this, yes, but she also is. She's taking control over well, everything around but it's her. Not, it's not a, it, it wasn't a conscious, it tr- this episode clarifies, I think, that she didn't choose to do it. Like she did not choose to create the hex. She doesn't sit there and make a conscious choice of I'm going to create this thing. It was, she was overwhelmed by all of that pain, all of that grief, and it just came out and it manifested in this way. And she didn't remember how it started because it was a subconscious thing and it just kind of took over just like she didn't remember that she used her magic to not have the missile explode. There are things that she that happen kind of subconsciously that she suppresses and and it was, as Agatha explains, and it's accurate based on what we've seen, magic on autopilot. She wasn't always just deciding Here's what Herb's going to do today. Here's what Jones is going to do today. She just created these scenarios and these storylines subconsciously that everybody, this framework that, not to be an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. reference, that everybody just kind of operates within. And that's, that's why, why Vision when, fights with her, though. And the, I know, but that's why, but that's, that's he's, where, he's like, that's where, that's where Wanda makes the wrong thing. It's not so much the how it started. It's the fact that she continued it when she was exactly con- that's when, what I'm saying. It's messed up. It's it is messed, messed up. up. I'm not denying that that's messed up. My point here, and this is conclusively proving it right here and now, is that Wanda didn't make an active choice every single time she did something bad. It didn't start out as an active choice. Now, once she was confronted with the truth and she continued to go down that path, that's where she was making an active choice. But it was also being the complications of trying to let go of what she was, you know, happy about in here. Whereas Agatha. Every single thing she's done was an active choice. She chose to come to Westview. She chose to manipulate Wanda. She chose to take the kids hostage. She chose to use magic to have them wrapped up around the neck. Everything that we've seen for right now, I mean, maybe next week we'll recontextualize it and we'll see that she has a valid reason for wanting what she wants, but that's not what we're seeing here. We're seeing that she was dealing in dark magic from the beginning. Her coven found that out. She was trying to get power that she wasn't supposed to have. And she's still trying to do that here. And the stuff that she's doing is very bad. Like, I don't even buy the idea, well, Wanda created the kids, so they're not really real. And so it's okay to do the things that she's doing. Agatha points it out that Wanda is a being of spontaneous creation. You're not a being of spontaneous creation if you just create things that are fake and go away. She has created actual, she has spontaneously created actual life in Vision and Billy and Tommy. Vision and then they can't live outside the hex. That's the problem. We don't know that yet. We and, do though because Vision was disintegrating as soon as he left and they even said, well, how come you can't live or Darcy says, how come you can't live outside the hex? Well, that's that could also be viewed as the hex pulling Vision back in. It doesn't mean that Wanda can't actually create a scenario, create a way for them to live outside the hex. 
If this is all just illusion and there's nothing real to it, then Wanda really isn't that powerful. Wanda is so powerful and Agatha is is hitting on this like because like they are real. Even if they can't live without the hex unless Wanda makes it so, I think Agatha believes that Wanda can make it so. In essence, Agatha is seeing these life forms that Wanda has created as real. And so that means if she's thinking that they're real, because that's the only way it truly is powerful for Wanda to have done it, then if if that's what they're if that's what she believes Wanda is doing and they're real, then it means she's acting upon or she, and she's acting against real kids. And it's not helping Wanda, who is who has been overcome this entire time with trauma and grief to show children who are whether or not they're real outside the hex. She knows they're real to Wanda right here and now and holding them hostage and just putting more trauma upon Wanda is not helping her. I think what Agatha is doing goes beyond just helping Wanda. And there's nothing here that she's doing. Everything that she's done as far as the way she has contextualized this, as far as wanting to help Wanda, it's always been in the interest of so Agatha can find out how Wanda did it. And it's not like she needs to find out how Wanda did it. There's nothing that Agatha is doing or saying right now to suggest she wants to know how Wanda did it for Wanda's benefit. She wants to know how Wanda did it so that Agatha can have power. We know that she wants power and knowledge, even that maybe she shouldn't necessarily have going all the way back to her very opening scene. So well, she I, also says I didn't. She's like she also hints at fact that like she naturally it came to her. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she does say that that stuff was drawn to her that. Well, she says it, it bent to like her will and, and I get it. So I, I, yes, there is an avenue there where maybe Agatha is there, but like, I just don't think that's the way that this is going. I think maybe that could be something that's opened up. Like, again, I, I see Agatha as a very potentially similar thing to Loki. Loki's not redeemed at the end of Avengers. He has to go through a thing. And Agatha could be a similar thing where, and actually betrayal from a parent. Loki felt betrayed by Odin because he was lied to. And he had to get over that in order to get on some path to redemption. Maybe Agatha has to get over what she feels is a betrayal by her mother in order to eventually become somebody who could be an ally to Wanda. I'm not saying that that's not possible because we don't know whether or not Agatha has a story that continues. And, and for Agatha to have a story that continues, I do think that would point towards a redemption arc eventually because I think Agatha is just too powerful as a villain to just always continue to be a villain and just always continue to be an obstacle for Wanda. So I, I, the mentorship angle, I'm not closing the book on it. I'm saying that I don't think it happens in this series. And I think Agatha would end this as an antagonist who's been stopped. And if she survives this, then she has to work toward a different path that maybe gets her to closer to what she was in the comic book. But for right now, she's definitely doing bad things like Loki did very, very bad things. And then we'll see where she goes from here, uh, depending on what Agatha takes away from this experience, should she have the opportunity to survive and take anything away from it at all. Um, moving on to our mid credit scene. So we have we're, we're outside the hex for the very first time in this episode uh, this episode is focused entirely on Wanda and this journey back to move forward. And I will just, uh, before we talk specifically about the mid credit scene, 
what I think works really well here is that like we did not go outside the hex until the mid credit scene, uh, except for, of course, Salem, Massachusetts, 1693 as our prologue. I think it works here. Like there's a lot of stuff that we in characters we didn't go back to in this episode outside of this mid credit scene. We're not really focused on Hayward or outside the hex. We don't get an update on Jimmy Woo or Monica Rambo. We don't get updates on Vision or Darcy. Last we saw Vision, the hex version of Vision, he was leaving. He flew out of the funnel cake truck to go help Wanda, presumably, but he hasn't shown up yet. He's probably going to show up to help with this situation between Agatha and uh, and Wanda with Agatha holding the kids hostage right now. I think we'll see that next week and we'll have to find out what happens next between Monica and Fietro. But I think it was the right call to not go back to any of those other characters or any of those other storylines in this episode, because I think it needed to be all about Wanda to really fully explore and respect her journey and, and everything that this series has been about thematically, certainly as it relates to her as the main character. So I think it was the right call to dedicate this episode entirely to Wanda with, of course, you know, Agatha being effectively the master of ceremonies. So I, I respect that call. I think it was the right move for the show. But then specifically getting back to this mid credit scene and what is revealed in it, uh, Hayward says we took this thing. Well, he's told that they're finally ready for launch. He said we launched today uh, last week and, and now here we are and, and they're ready. And Hayward says, we took this thing apart and put it back together, could uh, put it back together again a million times. So this thing, uh, object again, uh, is what the vision is to Hayward. They tried every type of power supply under the sun. All they needed was a little energy directly from the source. That source, of course, being Wanda and her Mindstone boosted powers. Vision, of course, was powered by the Mindstone for his all of his life for this version of Vision. And they were able to get it from that residual magic that was on the drone that Wanda threw out of the hex. And with that as the power source, they are able to bring white vision online. And we're certainly not the only ones who've been talking about it. The speculation has been here from the jump. It's not a surprise that we're seeing white vision in this show. What is surprising is similar to, uh, you know, the reveal with everything at sword. It's how they went about it. Like as soon as Wanda left, sword without vision like as soon as she left without vision's body obviously this was where it was going to go i mean like we were totally i mean the suspicion was there like we launched today that that was going to be vision somehow or some clone of vision that sword had created through all of their experiments it seemed like it was going to be some sort of sentient weapon but this is like the vision body that we have known all the way prior to wandavision in the mcu and the way they constructed this reveal, the way they set it all up in the storyline, and then visually, White Vision looks incredible. Everything about this was exciting, and, and it sets up an amazing finale. And also, got to give Paul Bettany a, a pat on the back here, because he's been teasing for like weeks now that there's some actor he's always wanted to work with that he had intense scenes with um, that we hadn't seen yet in the show. I don't see where there's uh, an opening for another. There's too much left to do in my mind for another major character to be uh, revealed in this last episode. I think Paul Bettany has been basically trolling everybody. The actor that he always wanted to work with and got to share intense scenes with was himself. 
Wow. And if that's yeah. what it turns out to be, Paul Bettany will have played the greatest game any Marvel actor has ever played on, on the press and the fandom, for sure. I kind of hope he, he's right and or he's he's telling the truth or that's right or I'm kind of hope he's wrong because I love a I love reveals so I'm kind of torn because I, I do like both uh, aspects of that. Um, white vision, pale vision, uh, we we all thought was coming. Um, I think it was a natural story progression. Yeah. If it's what I think they're hinting at with a storyline and everything coming up, it's going to get really rough for Wanda. And, um, it's going to be brutal, man. Uh, to be quite honest, it's going to be brutal because I think this is probably the vision going forward, um, with the Avengers. I'm assuming maybe not, maybe maybe he'll blow up at the end or, and whatever, which would be also fitting. I mean, this could be more of like a kind of an Easter egg thing for, for fans having the pale white vision, whatever. Um, but I I don't think so. I, I think that it's, it's interesting to have this character, but the thing that I, you have, you have to realize is that if this is truly a character going forward, he's a way more of a, this version of vision is way more robotic and soulless. You could say, uh, than the real vision and would actually make sense considering right. everything that's going on that. So again, with the themes and everything that'd make a lot more sense. Um, and I think what I'd be, I'd be fine with it. Um, also would be surprised if like the essence of that vision from the hex would somehow go into that vision. Oh, totally. There. I, I think so a merger seems like a very strong possibility to me. But I think the merger also could be it, where it's like, again, like in the comic books, they, they it's almost like the same, same thing. They save Vision by putting in this new body and Wanda thinks it's going to be, everything's going to be, you know, roses. And then it's not like he doesn't, he goes, I don't have feelings for you. Like, it's like, it's like that. And so I wonder if that moment's coming as well. Cause that was a big moment in, in the Vision Quest comic books that uh, John Byrne did that Pale Vision, White Vision comes from the great legendary John Byrne. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very curious how that's going to go, but I, I love this reveal. It's amazing. I think that this will ultimately play out differently in the MCU than it did in the comic books. I do love that project cataract as we figured like this was about vision. Um, but it's also about like white vision, you know, cloudy vision with cataract. So like, I, I just, all of that played out. Um, you know, I mean, that's just a, whatever using the the phrasing that they had for the name of the project. But as far as how I anticipate this working out, cause the reveal was, was really cool. I said, white vision looks awesome. As far as what what does this mean for next week? I think it means we're getting a vision versus vision battle. And it's almost like that thing of like, what is your soul and who are you? Mm-hmm. Is uh, you know, what makes you who you are? This is vision's body that's been around since Age of Ultron. And then the vision that we have here in the hex, you could say, well, that has to be the real vision because that's like vision's soul, so to speak, but not entirely only has Mm. memories from the time he he was born in the hex doesn't have because he isn't the vision who was alive and and went through those experiences he's been downloaded on all of that information by darcy of course but that's not the same as actually having lived it and so i think you could see but somewhere in that white vision body might be like you know the memories that are stored but not necessarily being accessed of, of who vision truly is and if the soul goes into it then the memories can come flooding back. I don't think we're going to, it's going to be a merger that results in Wanda being rejected by Vision. I don't think that, I I don't really see that romantic rejection being the way this story would end. I think that 
I, I see it one of two ways. Either these visions merge and basically become the real vision again, and he gets to live uh, mm. outside the hex, or Hex Vision ultimately has to sacrifice himself to kill and destroy White Vision. I don't yeah. think I don't think White Vision makes it as this android sentient weapon. I don't think he makes it out of this story. And okay. and that's where ultimately you could say, well, this is what Wanda has to do, right? And, and maybe it's a thing where like it, it becomes clear that Hex Vision has to sacrifice himself. And Wanda has to let him do that. And Wanda has to let go and say goodbye uh, finally and, and do that. And, and and do what she wanted to do when she went when she showed up to sword in the first place and finally be able to do it. Um, I think that's the direction it goes unless Vision is allowed to survive. And I do think there's a chance that Vision is allowed to survive because the one thing that makes me kind of doubt that Vision is just going to emerge from this story or not emerge from the story and just be dead by the end of it, while it certainly lends itself to the idea that Wanda has to accept her has has to accept loss and grief, and it totally works on that level and would we'll be perfectly fine to have that approach. It also just feels brutal for Wanda to have to watch Vision die a third time. Like, she's already seen it twice, uh, and now she would have to see it a third time, but maybe that's the thing. It's the ultimate test, is you're going to have to live through this again, um, but you're going to have to deal with it in uh, you know in a better way than you have up until this point, as it looked like you were going to when you showed up in the lobby at, at SWORD mm-hmm. headquarters. So I could see it going one of those two ways. I don't think it ends up with, you know, White Vision being like, you know, hey, Wanda, I don't feel anything for you. Peace. I don't think that's the way uh, that this is going to that this is going to go down. But if we're just looking at the those are the two ways I see that playing out. But if we're just looking at all the pieces on the table to just look ahead briefly to the finale, I mean, the power. This is also why I kind of have doubts of another player showing up. I'm not even really at this point feeling the Doctor Strange cameo, unless it's in like the post credit scene to point to yeah. Multiverse of Madness. In the main story, I have a hard time seeing Doctor Strange coming into this because I just look at, I mean, we don't know the runtime, but if we're looking like in the neighborhood of an hour, maybe, um, or less potentially, you have two versions of Vision. You have Agatha, you have Wanda, you have Monica, you have Fietro and whoever he is. Um, you have Jimmy Woo and Darcy doing what they're going to do, and I'm sure they're going to play a part in the finale. Hayward as well. You have so many main featured players in this who all have to resolve their own little storylines within this series. I just don't see where there's room at the last minute for anybody else to really insert themselves into this equation. I think we have all the players that we're meant to have in this story And if there's anything else like we're pointing at in the distance of things that might be looming threats like a Mephisto or whatever, fine. Um, Or if we're talking about mutants, that this is a door that's that's open that we can walk through later. I could see those little things being left, uh, you know, open to interpretation and further exploration because that kind of stuff always happens in the MCU. So I see those things. But I think as far as this main story we have all the players that we're going to have, and we kind of have evenly matched teams, sort of. I mean, I think you have you have a Hex Vision versus White Vision, so they match up with each other. You have Wanda versus Agatha. That seems to be mostly even matched, theoretically. And then you might have Monica versus Fietro. And the question with Fietro, though, is like, is he still under Agatha's influence? And if so, does that mean he still has powers? Or even if he's not under Agatha's influence, does he still have powers? Although I'm still not ruling out the possibility that Fietro 
is no longer possessed by Agatha and will actually help work against Agatha, I think is still uh, a possibility here. But we have a lot. And then you have a character like Hayward who certainly does not have like physical superpowers, but he's got his military bureaucratic power uh, that he's going to wield. And so that's more of a character that maybe Jimmy Woo has to deal with outside the hex. But we have our major players here and we have powerful players on the board um, who are going to be going up against each other in this story. And all of that has to be resolved, right? All of these obstacles have to be removed. And then there's the last thing that has to happen to resolve this. Right now, Wanda can't get rid of the hex even if she wanted to. I think Agatha is standing in her way. And not the only one standing in her way, by the way. All these other obstacles are going to be brought into the, even ones Wanda doesn't know about yet, like White Vision. All of these obstacles are going to be in the way. Eventually, they're going to be removed. But that's not the end of the story. Wanda, if she's the problem, has to be the solution. And I don't think that means defeating the big bad witch in Agatha, even though that might be part of it. Ultimately, the last thing that has to happen to resolve this is Wanda has to make the choice to not continue this. She has to make the choice. It's been made completely clear to her. Clear to her. It was subconscious when it started. When she was confronted with the truth, she kept trying to deny it. It is completely, conclusively, like undeniable now what the truth of this reality is. And she needs to make the choice to drop the hex, to accept what's going on, to un- to accept grief as the perseverance of love and continue on with that feeling and with that knowledge and understanding. And hopefully she's able to emerge from that with her kids and with vision intact. Maybe she will. Maybe she'll be able to do that. Maybe she won't. But even if she's not going to be able to, she has to accept that she's not going to be able to and still go ahead and move forward. But because the the biggest obstacle that has to be resolved in all of this still is Wanda. And I think we are going to get to that point. And then to throw in one other thing to just add to the mounting list of things this episode has to do is there does have to be accountability for Wanda. And I don't know what that is. But Wanda has done, even if she didn't mean to do it at first, she still did it. And she did keep it going even after she was confronted with the truth. She didn't just immediately drop it as soon as there was a doubt as to exactly what this was. And she was told that she was harming people. Because she kept going, she really does need to accept responsibility for the choices that she made. And I don't know what that looks like. Like, the MCU is not the real world. This isn't like she's going to get brought up on kidnapping and false in, false imprisonment charges for an entire town, and she's going to suffer those consequences and be in prison for the rest of her life. There's going to have to be some version of heightened reality consequences, because that's what we're in. We're in a heightened reality in these stories, just like Loki had a redemption arc, even though he did such horrible things that he should have been completely irredeemable. Um, and yet he had a redemption arc in the MCU. So what does that look like for Wanda, how is that going to be addressed? Because it can't just be, oops, it was an accident and we're all fine now. There has to be some sort of consequence for this, uh, for Wanda and her accepting responsibility for the part that she obviously played in it. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, um, but it is another task that this uh, last episode has in front of it. But I fully expect it to do that and all those other things that I talked about this last episode exploring. It's just going to be one hell of an episode, one hell yeah. of a finale to uh, a series that deserves it. And 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 look, there's no doubt going into this. I'm not skeptical of like, oh, are they going to be able to deliver? Yes, I think they are because it's the same team that made these eight extraordinary episodes mm-hmm. that we've been treated to up until this point. So I have no doubt 
that they are going to deliver the finale that this entire series deserves. Um, just no doubt about that whatsoever in my mind. And that's what's exciting to me mm-hmm. is just knowing how special this has been all the way through up until this point and to have a finale that's going to be worthy of this uh, incredible experience and journey that we've been on for the past several weeks. Absolutely. 100% agree. Yeah, just it, it's been amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, good luck to the rest of the Marvel Studios series on Disney Plus uh, no with, <laughs> with the bar that this one set the first time out. They'll be fine. Marvel always meets the the new bars that they just keep raising and, and setting for themselves. But yes. um, yeah, great episode. Can't wait for the finale next week. Before we get out of here, got some folks to thank. I mentioned the Patreon earlier. Watch a vision full season watch party Saturday, March 6, 1 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, that's part of our Patreon where we have uh, our exclusive Discord community. But we also have exclusive podcasts and some of the people who are getting some of those exclusive things are, and I want to thank them, Hong, uh, Hong L, Evan R, Deanne O, Jonathan S, Leandra C, Alfie R, Blair H, Bex L, Harshall, and Brad M. And if you want to join our Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber. That's S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R. You can also just hit the link in the show notes to this podcast. And then make sure you're following us in those places you can on we are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, aka P Thug. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening to the MCU Fan Show. We'll see you next time.